0: one image leading me down the road there was one sound leading me down and that sight was you under the stars that sound was you laughing in the dark but I've never seen it and I don't even know how it sounds looks like we'll never know like we'll never know. It looks 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 like we'll never know. know. Do you remember the time you washed your dog? All I could think about was when she'd shake the water off me. Maybe one drop could roll down your face And if I tried, I could reach my hands into the darkness And trace it down Maybe I could bring you comfort In a time you were so sad Maybe I could make you happy Make you feel loved But I've never done that And you've never felt it So it looks like we'll never know Looks like we'll never know, it looks like we'll never know, it looks like we'll never know.
1: All righty, welcome to the very last musical osmosis of the decade, where intelligent dissonant thought still meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from good old Meth Mountain, Tennessee, and I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host calling in from a very cold, charmed city this evening, my pal, <laughs> Adele Norman.
2: What's going on?
1: What's going on? Last show of the decade.
2: That's it, man. 2019.
1: Did you ever think when we started this in 2015, we'd be talking about the end of the decade?
2: I know. It, it's such it, it's such a weird thing. The, just be talking about it period like i was uh talking with somebody at work today and we were just like wow you know tomorrow's it <laughs> <laughs> the end of the decade is tomorrow so
1: what i affectionately call the outside down decade and i put oh, something my goodness, up the crazy. other day and i was like if the 1920s were the warring 20s what are the 2020s going to be called
2: um we'll, see. Well, well it'll it'll start off with a bang here i feel like the only
1: good thing about this year was baby yoda like the mandalorian is the only thing to feel happy about this year (laughs) and i just read today that disney subscriptions (laughs) fell off something like 30 percent after the last episode like everybody just got it to watch that show oh really Yeah, Disney+, Plus, which is a shame because they've got other good stuff on there. they got Jeff Goldblum, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which isn't a great show, right, D? Our producer, D, back
3: there, producing (laughs) the last show
1: of the decade.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, amazingness. I love it so much. It makes me so happy in my face. And Mm -hmm. that's what we need.
2: Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, it's funny how people just, I don't know, people are so quick. It's such a hot take society nowadays that. Yeah, you know, uh, the attention span is, you know, the size of a gnat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's where we are, man. <laughs> and um, I'm going to try to pivot here and try to keep politics out of this episode as much as possible. So let's brag on ourselves here for a few minutes and talk about this past <laughs> year. Because we have yeah. launched the Musical Osmosis website. Um, let's not even talk about the people we've had back. Let's just talk appearing on the show for the first time this year. Kelly from Skating Polly. Oh, God, Danita Smarks from L7, Scott Hill from Fu Manchu. Who else have we Oh, Jughead from Screech and Weasel.
2: Jughead from Screech and Weasel. We had Tito from Tito and the Tarantulas. We had um, Haley Kane,
1: Alice Bag, MC Chris.
2: So we've had, I mean, it's been a phenomenal year. And that's just like the new guest you were talking about.
1: Weird Paul. Phil Ryan from Sacred Reich.
2: From Sacred Reich, yeah, who I got to see a couple months back with Guar, which was awesome. Um, you know, we were all sort of in front of the whole Jawbox thing when they, you know, they they, they announced their reunion and, and getting back together and playing shows. I think one of the earliest interviews that uh, Kim did was our, was our show. Um, so, yeah, there was, yeah, no there was just so much. Here, and
1: we've got nowhere to go but down during 2020.
2: <laughs> well the amazing thing is it's just the artists that we've had on in the past and to see where they are now. So like for example, um uh the Joeys, you know, I was uh, I follow you know, follow them of course and they just played Alice Cooper's um Christmas thing in Arizona. Yeah, I um, saw that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh War on Women who we had on a couple of years ago, they've just blown up. They're they're on a whole other level. Um now Oakley I mean, Doakley, all,
1: like, Max Savage, Oakley, Oakley. Girls, yeah. all those bands. Yeah,
2: yeah. Bands. hey, Oakley Doakley finally had their song played on, on the Simpsons episode. Remember how when we were talking about that, and then boom, it happened. Um I
1: think it happened like three days after we were talking about it, and they didn't even <laughs> know it was gonna happen. We <laughs> no, were talking not about it. It and and was like, Are you guys ever gonna be on the <clears> Simpsons? <throat> and he's like, I don't know if he was playing it close to the vest or if he was actually surprised by it, but he's like, you know, maybe one day we don't know. And then that's Sunday we record on Wednesday. So that's Sunday. They were actually on there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just uh, crazy. I mean, uh, we had Greg Turner on from the angry Samoan. So, and I, I'm looking at all the stuff that they're re re re-releasing now. Um, No, it's been amazing, man. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, with the old with the older artists you know we're having a lot more of the newer artists come on so it's really cool to be driving down the road and being like oh yeah I, we've talked to her or we've talked to that band or so it's it's pretty cool It is it's really been um uh something that's helped you know it makes it makes things more realistic when you're like wow these people are just like us and uh, to take the time out or to like something that you post or to do whatever it's it's really really cool it's a it's a close oh yeah Derf gordon is always
1: sending me videos and stuff
2: and he's a yeah local. yeah yep so, I mean, heck, let's... we had french Schneider on at the blink of an eye remember you got him back on when uh uh when scott hill was sick and he decided to come on and you know that was quite an uh interesting uh
1: <laughs> oh yeah <Interview>. like,
2: <laughs> and i just had to
1: text him i was like fred what are you doing man you want to call into the show is that fucking easy Mm-hmm. so it's yeah you're right dude it's crazy but it also makes me think me being the more neurotic worrying type where do we go from here we don't even have the 100th ep- this is episode 99 we don't even have right. our 100th episode book yet i was waiting on somebody to write me back
2: today and i didn't hear back from them so where do well, we go from here I, it's amazing. Well, I don't even know, but I think the fact that the product, you know, speaks for itself. So, um, for example, uh, Ben, Ben story, he got me a Christmas present from Kelly deal of, um, you know, the breeders. And now she has her, extra she has solo stuff out and, um, she's legendary. And I, and I haven't even thought of that. He sent me her email information and all that. So I wouldn't mind, you know, possibly ringing out cause I think she has an album coming out. So um and he's been in he was like i think he even mentioned that we were we did a podcast so i mean the doors are so wide open and i think the the proof is it's out there so once you send somebody something and they say wow they've had these people on or wow they're talking to this artist um i want to be a part of that i mean I, I i think that's the um the way i think podcasting in general are, is the way to go to be yeah honest with you. and we
1: do have to do a little bit of a format change next year because i want to expand and start doing some different stuff too yeah yeah because we've kind of had the same format for what going on five years now four years a little bit over four years i guess i think we started september of
2: 2015 yeah yeah
1: so, so it'll yeah, be good right D, to mix it up
3: yes i think so we've got some really cool ideas for some format changes and i'm excited i'm straight up excited and that hey. doesn't happen very often
1: and, you know, I going to do, like, a music <laughs> and review show this year because that's what we've been doing throughout the years. And I sent you that article, Paste article, about the top 10 bands, and there was another one with the top 20. And it just mm-hmm. didn't seem like a lot of those bands, like, really held an interest for me that mm-hmm. were on that list. And um, I don't know. just I feel like with we're having Poppy Jean Crawford on tonight, and she's kind of in that circle of people. Like with Bonnie from Death Valley Girls, Star Crawler, um, mm-hmm. all those people, James Alex from Beach Lane, kind of plays shows with all of them too. Skating Polly, and I feel like that is a scene that's happening, dude. That's that well, is the best scene right now in music. The best brand new, not brand new, but the best upcoming scene in music right now, I think.
2: Yeah, and and uh, actually, some of the, I mean, a lot of those artists that were on that on on the one list that you set. Um, they're overseas, and um, it's Nine amazing. Nine out of
1: ten, it seems like that um, American yeah. music right now is not on fire like it used to
2: be. Yeah, and and they have a lot to talk about. I mean, the, there was two bands that stood out on that list, um, the Abjects and Brutus. Brutus is fierce because um, not only is the, is, the, is the band fronted by uh, is female fronted, but she's also playing the drums. And, um, and and she is ridiculous on the drums. And to do that and sing at the same time, it's like, holy moly. So the, um, but like the politics overseas is just as prevalent as it is here. Oh, and, yeah. And you hear some of those, yeah, you hear some of those songs that are coming out. You're like, wow, okay.
1: And that's one good thing, man. And um, I didn't notice it till I started digging into like all these new bands. And then I kind of went back and looked at our roll call, how many guests we've had on over this past year. Female artists are really breaking through, dude. I think we've had more female artists on this year than male artists. I think it's been about 70-30. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. Percentage-wise.
1: And I didn't even really notice. That's how the booking was going. I'm just booking people that I find interesting and compelling. And I went back and looked at who all we've had on this year. And I'm like, man, dude, more so than any other year, we've had more female artists. I mean, even tonight's show, it's three female artists, one guy, Right. So I'm glad to see yeah. that female artists are finally breaking through. It's such I mean Fender was it Fender that came out with that article that more women are buying their guitars now than men?
2: Yeah. Or was it Gibson? Yeah. I think it's Fender. Was it Fender? And um yeah. I want to say it was Fender. And and then and that's another thing too, is the fact that they're like they're not limiting themselves either in, in the style that they want to play or or how they play the guitar too. It's like, well, you know, you know, back in the day it was it almost felt sort of like, whoa she uses a distortion. Oh, my goodness. You know, now it's like, oh, yeah, this is what we do. And, and Right. Do it's like when you found out is. there
1: was a black guy in Suicidal.
2: Yeah. Like, Dude, a black <laughs> guy in a metal band? Skate band? Yeah. Like
1: you freaked out or something. And it's, just, yep. it's yep. so funny to see these borders, these walls come crumbling down. And it's a great thing. But I think also culturally and politically, you've got that other side of the fence that's like, we don't want this kind of change.
2: Oh, you know that. You know that. But they they can't stop it, man.
1: No, you can't stop progress, dude. That's one I mean, nope. you can rage against the fucking machine, but you will never I mean, the only way you're going to stop progress is if you burn it all down and propel us back to the dark ages.
2: That's it. That's your that only choice.
1: Outside of that, progress is going to keep moving forward. There's too much money to be made and too much innovation and too much of a cultural shift. You're just not going to. I mean, think about it, dude. 10 years ago, same-sex marriage yeah. would have probably been unthinkable. And now look.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at it. How at,
1: fast I, that turned. And nothing could stop oh, it. Dude. Many people wanted to fucking stop it and throw in fits and say, we're all going to be fucking farm animals in five years if this happens. N- none of that, you know what I'm saying? None of that yeah. anger and prejudice even matter, dude. It still no. went through. That is it. So you can't stop progress. And people who try are fools. Alrighty, Our first guest of our last episode on the last day of the last year of this all-side-down decade is a creative titan of the bass guitar in all forms and is pure magic on the vocals. From the band A Horse, A Spoon, A Bucket, who is finally set to release her first solo album, The View From Normal, which makes my heart happy, the musically <laughs> impeccable, Hannah Rose Dexter. Hello, and happy New Year's.
4: Happy New Year to you, too, folks of Fine Tin Can Media. It's good to be here.
1: Yes, right. yes. And how do you feel? It's New Year's. Um, the last day as far as when this is going to come out tomorrow, the last day of the decade. We are wrapping up the outside-down decade and heading into the far-flung future of the 2020s.
4: I feel like I'm running out the clock. I'm just waiting. Just waiting for it to be done.
1: <laughs> I Ready hear for you. the next decade. You got big musical plans for tomorrow night, for New Year's Eve?
4: Uh, tomorrow during the day, I'm going to play some trad jazz in New Orleans Swing at this dingy dive bar in Burbank that I love so much. Um, and that's at noon. <laughs> New Year's oh, Eve's wow. there will so be a lot the of fun like, at noon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and then in the nighttime, I'll be playing with a surf rock band.
5: Oh, wow. Well, look, at, kind of look at that change. <laughs>
4: Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm a time traveler, first and foremost. That's, my, that's <laughs> the first thing on my business card.
1: All right, well, let's quantum leap to some musical talk here because I'm a fan of your music for so long. I'm excited to announce your solo album, "The View from Normal," is finally set to release on February twenty-second, and this right. was four years in the making. Ever since before I, I even knew you, we've been like ever <laughs> since I met you, we've been talking about this. Let's dive right in. How does it feel that this is finally happening, and why? Oh, why has it taken four years?
4: Uh oh, well, it's first and foremost just a huge relief because um, I'm tired of talking about it, tired of not <laughs> having anything to show for all this talking about it. Um, so I'm very relieved that it's done, and I own the physical copies right now, and I'm just like, cool, it's it's finished. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can stop. I can stop for now and just tell people to listen to it. And it took four years because... I'm choosing to believe I just knew it wasn't ready any of the other times I sat down to make it. Um, you know, my skills maybe as a recording engineer weren't up to snuff, or maybe the sound wasn't just right, or the arrangements hadn't quite settled, but it took this long for some good reason because I really love how it sounds now.
2: So, when you, you just listening to you explain that, was it a I know the process and Nick, I know Nick and I, we know the process going through it and being like perfectionists, if you will, how Mm -hmm. hard was it to be like, okay, this is it. I'm good with this. I don't want to go back in and add something else, or maybe I should do this part a little differently. How did it feel when you're like, nope, do it. I'm done. I'm good.
4: It was, it was very difficult. I mean, that's what, like, when I would, I'd record something in the early days and I'd hear it and I'd go, no way. It's not, none of it is ready. And and I scrapped the whole project. So at this point, I think it was just sheer exhaustion. I was just so tired of waiting for (laughs) the absolute perfect take. And a lot of my favorite bands, you know, you can hear little flubs here and there on their records. So I just thought it's good enough for the people I love. It's good enough for me. Um, As far as just like, a record that's got a little rough around the edges. Um, Does that, I just.
6: So let me ask
1: you this then. Does this amp up the expectation because you have been talking about it for so long? Is it like, wow, people are really going to be expecting the holy grail of music coming out of me because I've been talking about this project for so long? Or are you not looking at it like that? Are you just looking at it? It's done just like I put the turkey in the oven when a little thing pops out. (laughs)
4: It's finished, here it is, I'm serving it. Uh, Yeah, I don't feel like, I don't, I feel like my expectations were higher than everybody else's, you know, because it's of my course, work, and, and I've got the sound in my head, and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, people that like my music would have been happy with, you know, the first or second draft, but I was not the one that was happy, so I feel like since it passes my incredibly stringent critical test, everyone else is going to think it sounds amazing. <laughs>
1: You're like Inspector 9 on the old Fruit of a Loom commercials. Nothing's getting past you unless it's excellent, <laughs> pristine, uh, yeah. or you're not putting your stamp on it.
4: Yeah, that's how I feel. That's, and that's – it's easier – Boy, to, can it's I relate. easier. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, for, you know, the last 13 years that I've been playing bass, it's always been easier to just be in someone else's group where I'm told not to be critical. Like, just do mm. this. Don't pass me mm. judgment about anything else. That's easy. Cool. I can just be responsible, you know, for what what the right musical answer is. And I don't have to think about the others. And that's what made this so hard. Well, let's talk about
1: what's incredible about this to me. And I can't believe this. <laughs> I listen to two tracks and I'm blown away by this. You recorded this in your closet it's true and this Very is true. studio <laughs> level sounding i mean this sounds just as good as the even steven album that was done at <laughs> Faye studio back in 2000 this is Christine. Mm. how are, i mean is this just trial and error because i know you were probably producing this <laughs> yeah like how did how did you get this quality out of a closet
4: <laughs> a lot of
1: clothes
4: uh and uh like basically tearing my room apart every single time I'd sit down to do it, you know. I've got a big window and the room is all tiles. So it was just like cover the floor with blankets, take the mattress off the bed and shove it against the wall, like pull everything out of the closet, put it in there, put my amp in there. And I had a very intrinsic blanket fort pillow <laughs> mat that would surround the mic and the and the amp every time. Um, and, and basically I did that every day for, you know, off and on for a couple months. Um, but then, you know, for vocals and stuff, I had to, I had to stand in the closet. So it was just a matter, not as big of a blanket fort is what I'm trying to say. Um, but then the drums, I lied, the drums were recorded in a garage and that, that is just the pure sound of Inglewood on a Wednesday afternoon. Like a garage. Mm-hmm.
1: How can you be so highbrow? I know. the garage.
4: Jeez. (laughs) I know. I know. All
1: right. Let's talk about this. The other people who played on your album, and most importantly, Mm -hmm. where can we pick up the album?
4: Okay. So, the other people that played on the album is first and foremost, uh, Michaela Session, who is a drummer that I met going to school at CalArts. And we played in a metal band for a little bit while there. And then we both played in a blues band after college, like 60s blues. And then we started our own little funk project. And he might have been one of the people really encouraging the album because he just asked, Hannah, have you written any songs? Can you play them for me? And I basically played him the album beginning to end and he said, well, you're going to let me drum on this. So, uh, yes, yes. So he appears on most of the songs, I'd say about seven out of the 13 tracks. And then I also have my co-conspirator from A Horse, A Spoon, A Bucket, playing guitar on one track, and uh, another girl that I met through Ember in his orchestra, uh, which I know you guys are fans of. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm actually going
1: to yeah. touch on that in a little bit. Love oh, nice. Yeah, well, night.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, uh, Liliana, play, I met her in that band, so she plays guitar on a track. A friend that I met through Michaela and have played some gigs with, that's Karan Shaheed, plays piano on her. On a track, and then and then an old college friend from Michigan, Theo jonga plays organ on a couple tracks. But for the most part, the album is like seventy-five percent, eighty percent just bass and voice, and then the rest of these sporadic guests.
1: And I love the highs on your voice too, man. Like I only heard two songs off this album, when you break into those highs, I'm like, oh man, that is almost chilling. The way that you're mm. like you can get up there like that and just kinda change the range. It really adds like a haunting feel to those songs.
4: Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, someone uh Ember Knight's mom has referred to it as banshee like.
2: Yes, I think that's <laughs> a great
1: term. I'm sorry about that, I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: No, no, I know with with recording, what was the most difficult part? I know did you bring the drums in there as well and, and other aspects and how long did it just <laughs> how how did that process work out for you as far as like getting the proper sound coming out of each instrument in such a tight core space? Yeah. Well, with the,
4: the drums were the one instrument that were really recorded outside of the closet. Those were over at, at Mickey's Michaela's garage. And, you know, and we only had like three or four mics to record his entire drum set which, if you go to a real studio, they might put, you know, ten or fourteen mics on a drum set if they have them. But we had to get oh, yeah. very creative about what we were duct taping a microphone to, or what light, like what rafter we were wrapping a cable you around, have and how it low. The
1: MacGyver session, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: It was totally a MacGyver session, and then you know, Wednesday was also trash day in his neighborhood, so we would just hear <laughs> trash can or trash. Van after trash van, and he could hear them better than I would. He'd like, hold on, Hannah, we gotta wait, and <laughs> you know, but we did it. We did it.
1: It really shows you, though, that it's a humbling experience. I feel like, because it really shows you what just good old fashioned elbow grease and ingenuity will do. That oh, this helped totally. out sounding like a studio quality album which i would have never even guessed until you sent me the music (laughs) and a little synopsis about it Mm -hmm. that it was just a student you could never tell the difference and this was running on pure the most important thing you can have passion and engineering Mm -hmm. well that really means a lot
4: that i spoiled the the secret (laughs) but i'm glad that it (laughs) passes your your auditory test and i will have to say a, I really shelled out for a good mixer and masterer <laughs> and that that helped there you go like there you go and where can we pick <laughs> the
1: album up when it comes on sale on the twenty second of February?
4: Well, if you want a physical copy, you're gonna buy it through bandcamp dot com uh, or if you also want a physical copy, you come to my CD release show at the yard in Los Angeles, California, um or you know it's gonna be on Spotify. It's gonna be all the places you can ask your robot to play it so. You don't even have to send away for it.
1: I have a feeling robots are gonna be crazy about this album. <laughs> it might cause the was, singularity. Your album may cause the singularity. So look out.
4: That's a that's a beautiful that's a beautiful quote. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull that one. <laughs>
1: Alright, well while we're all musing that over, let's play between. Do you wanna set this up and tell us anything about between before we hit the magic button? Uh
4: between is surprisingly surprisingly tricky they're like chord changes and spots that there traditionally aren't so this one was really having to be polite to all the musicians that contributed on it and also this is the track on the album that has the most other musicians on it we got drums organ two guitarists and i needed every single one of them
1: and would it be wow. fair for me to say this is a premiere Hasn't been heard yet. Yeah, this
6: is the right?
4: premiere.
1: It hasn't been heard premier, yet. Premiere, 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 premiere. way to end a decade. D, hit the magic. We're back. The toaster hasn't gained sentience yet. So the singularity hasn't happened from at least that's all. We're all alive now. So let's move into some 2020 (laughs) talk as we kind of move here to the far-flung futuristic world of the 2020s. Let's get philosophical here for a second. What have you learned this past decade that you feel like that you're really going to put into practice in the years coming forward?
4: Oh my God. (laughs) Wish I had gotten this question ahead of time. That like putting
1: people on to. the spot. That's how you get the the real magic is put people on the spot.
4: I guess in the last decade, um, I've learned that most of the feelings that I think the world is putting on to me, most of the negative thoughts or concerns um, are really ones that I'm putting on the world, just as far as judgment and dishonesty are concerned. Like I worry so much about what other people might have to think about my work my contributions, but really, it's it's just all coming from me and going right back into me. So I'm hoping mm. 2020 is a 2022 2030 is a decade where I just do nothing but but love myself unabashedly as a way to do better and and give harder.
1: Well, I could tell you, as somebody who music is my bread and butter. Of course, I talk to people all the time, and um, I was listening to or watching a YouTube video for Leave. And your musical prowess is off the fucking oh, charts. Yeah. I was watching that, yeah, it and I was like, dude, I've played professional bass all through the 90s, early 2000s. And Hannah is like 6,000 times better than I am. <laughs> I mean, you're an actual That's bass player. That's a lot player. of thousands. I just, like, beat on the bass and screamed until my fingers <laughs> were bloody. But you're an actually proficient bass player who knows the theory and the music, which is something I never took on jumping around with a blow-up doll and screaming stupid songs about <laughs> mall security. What? Yes, the secret's out, dude. I could barely play my instrument. Just sure, after, like, sure. a corny little Even Steven song. So you can kind of go into this next decade knowing that you know your instrument quite well and you're quite comfortable with it and that shines through at least when I'm watching I,
4: listening to it. I know I know that I know I know bass and I love bass and bass bass lets me know know it and
2: oh uh, it'll yeah, yeah. that's, the, the, the that's instrument what will let you on know <laughs> yeah
4: that's what I'm holding <laughs> on to until the day I die you know Well let me ask you a curiosity
1: because you don't really use your Facebook much. You don't have a Facebook artist page or a Twitter that no. I don't love. You've got no. your Instagram. Um, I didn't even mm-hmm. see your actual YouTube channel. Do you have an actual no. YouTube
4: channel? No. Uh, uh, you know, I have just been doing music so long that I just haven't focused the time to develop the the pages or the presences or whatever. I do... I use them, I communicate through them, I share little bits about my life through Instagram and Facebook sporadically,
5: right. but mm-hmm.
4: a lot of times I just, some of the other things, I guess I just felt I needed a finished product before I could create them, but I'm also, you know, continuing to get bigger and better gigs and opportunities without them, so I kind of just don't want to put the time in Um I'm not sure. That might be my undoing. Maybe no one will hear it because I don't get a Twitter page or something. (laughs)
1: Are you kidding? Facebook is a freaking viper's pit now. You're probably better off without social media.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's other avenues that you can use, too. So, I mean, do you you see yourself um, playing, like, touring off of this or
4: getting Uh, outside of California? Yes, I really – I've been hoping to just use the finished album as a reason to – tour and to get out of california for a minute you know i've always got these little dreams of just packing packing up with my bass in a suitcase and and going around for a little bit and you know the album is very unique and modern but if you listen closely you can hear all of my old-fashioned taste and and sensibilities and so i just i guess that's another reason why i'm not really engaging with the internet side of this very hard i just Mm. (laughs) old-fashioned Do you
1: feel like when you do go on tour, are you going to try to hit places that you consider more progressive and would be into this kind of sound, or are you open to like hitting Arkansas or Mississippi or places that might not necessarily take in this type of music as welcoming as other places?
4: Yeah, you know, I have no clue what type of music this is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have a genre suggestion, I mean, at its most basic form, I guess it's singer-songwriter, but... Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't sing and songwrite from the electric bass. There are some, but there aren't a lot. Um, I kind of—I just want to go anywhere. I want to go anywhere and everywhere. And and I don't mind being chased out of a town, you know, if <laughs> they hear my songs and, and don't like them.
1: That's, That's a fine. hell of a story to tell, too, huh? That oh, sure. Being chased <laughs> out of a town. All right, let's wrap up with this. Outside of your solo project, what do you have coming up in 2020? Um, As we talked about Ember Knight earlier, I know Mm -hmm. you had done some work on her film, The King of L.A., which Mm -hmm. I love. Do you have any other film projects coming up? Is anything else going on with Horse, Spoon, Bucket? Kind of give us the lowdown.
4: Okay. uh, Some other film projects in the works, both, you know, scoring, but, like, a lot of that stuff, you just kind of wait and wait and wait until they snap their fingers and say go um but a documentary coming down the pipeline that I'll be scoring and then um horse's spoon a bucket is working on another album that's a bit more folksy and we're using all the nice. recording knowledge that I got from this over on that and it'll be good and powerful and whimsical and i've started a greek an all girl greek rebetica band that's ooh
1: like, now you're speaking yeah,
4: my yeah 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 literally <laughs> so yeah. starting up that project and we're just going to play you know, little clubs and and festivals around Los Angeles, and been working on a monthly live film scoring of like early silent films uh, down at this beautiful bar in downtown Los Angeles, and and then you know this pushing this album and and traveling and and learning and spreading the good news. That's that's what I want from the next year.
1: And this all sounds so like, positive and happy, like we live in a totally normal age, does the <laughs> threat of climate change and what I call the outside-down we live in now and the political chaos, does any of that get on you, and, the, and, and do you remain optimistic about 2020 and kind of shield yourself from all of that, or is that always lurking in the background of your creative <clears throat> psyche? Uh,
4: I, am, I am always thinking about the way the planet is falling apart and how much... People just hate each other for no good reason. Uh, I can't, I can't undo those feelings, and I'm often very pessimistic and and dark about the future and and my future. And I keep being surprised at how much just like a night of playing music really intensely and with all the focus I have can really just cool cool me out. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps, even though even though playing live music and as a woman comes with all sorts of, you know, prejudice and hatred and climate change to get to the gig and back, you know, and right, right. like it's not completely devoid of of problems too. But when a set starts and my only job for the next four hours is to play bass, uh, everything is much easier to deal with.
1: But it's creatively mandatory, I feel like. If you watched the Titanic movie, and this was actually true, this part of the movie, the band played as the ship was
4: going
1: down. And it's kind of like the ship's going down, but Hannah's still going to go out there and create and play music. (laughs) But it's almost like a creative (laughs) imperative that you can't escape, just like those cats on the Titanic's like, dude, the ship's going down, the iceberg has just crushed us, at least we're going down doing what we love and spreading a little bit of comfort while the ship's sinking.
4: Yeah, I mean, multiple times a week, I see the obscene amounts of comfort that live music provides to people. And, and I wanted to make a solo album and write my own songs for all the times that recorded music has given me huge Mm -hmm. comfort and understanding. So, you know, I do it for me because it's just like, a good gig and a good performance can completely elate me for days. And then I do it for others because live music is medicinal and and every note that gets played in the community makes that community a brighter place. So it just feels like the thing I can contribute.
1: Well, to um, kind of quote Bill and Ted, who that sequel is coming out very <laughs> soon. That oh, was yeah, the most yeah. excellent place to end. So tell everybody where we can find you. And also thank you so much. This is our last show yes. this is a milestone mm. episode 99 in our last show in a decade. I could not appreciate oh you more.
4: Oh, well, it was a total honor to be to be on the show again and to be on in such a such a hollowed slot like that. Um, OK, you'll find you'll find me the best places on Instagram, the most interesting places on Instagram. The singles are coming out on Bandcamp slowly but surely, and the album will be sitting in the Google machine whenever you want to hear it after February.
1: Right on, right on. All Alrighty, right. Well, I hope you have a great 2020. I'm sure we'll have you back on 2020. I don't think I ever go more than like three months without you making some kind of appearance <laughs> on
4: <okay. laughs> It's good to be in the community.
1: All right, Hannah. <laughs> you have a great New Year's. Hey, Thank take you. Care. You
4: guys too. Goodbye. All righty.
1: We are going to get Graf Holzfjord yeah. in here in just a few minutes. And now a word from our sponsor. Austria, and it's a frontman of the greatest band of all time stationed here in America to fight against Arnold Schwarzenegger Austroploitation films and promote the real myth and lore of his homeland. I cannot think of a ballsier way to end this decade than speaking with the frontman of Honorcore, Graf Holzfeuer. Graf, are you with us?
7: Hey Graf! How about that for a microphone check right there? That's because it right there, I, guys. I, I, I need to congratulate you right now because that introduction was on point. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I can tell you how many times I come into an interview and everybody is confused. They get everything backwards. You guys have discipline. Never let anybody tell you you lack discipline. You have it in Spain. You have set the bar so high. Thank you. I thank you. i to
1: let you down. Absolutely. And I want to thank like you, to too. You. This is the most ballsy episode we've ever had. And we are yes. going to 2020. I know you got to be pumped for 2020. <laughs>
7: Look at you pulling out the big guns. You want yes. to end, end the, not just the year, but the decade, right? You want to end it big. So you bring in the founding. Co-founding member of Honor Gord is terrific and I agree with the strategy. <laughs> the only downside, let me tell you something. There's a downside right now. You came to me right at the moment that we announced we are going on an extended hiatus on a break for a while. At least a oh, wow. year, maybe a little bit longer. So this is first interview I have granted post hiatus, like after I've announced we are done, we played our last live audio assault, just the last month. And now we are heading into 2020 with, with, in my mind, a whole different agenda of going on, but it is terrific with you guys to look back, perfect opportunity to take a step back now with new context, because normally I would be on here, ready to promote a new record or our next tour or something big but i am here just to hang out with you guys and talk about what you might be interested in and learning about honor core what we did the last almost 20 years so
1: interesting and this is the last interview you're doing on hiatus right you may not
7: wow. be doing the interview again for a while so this is special i'm not I- it, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I haven't determined yet. It depends. <laughs> they they say uh, never say never. So I'm not sure. But That's an, an honor. Thank you so in, much. Man.
1: Um, let me tell you That's something before we thing. get started. I got to tell you this, man. I got to tell you a little story. My life, a, my life was in a fucking shambles and this podcast was going down in flames. And I jumped over to YouTube to do my diligent research, like I usually do, looking for new bands to turn me on. I ran across Arno Core. I have never been more pumped. I have never been more ballsy. And 2020 thank is you. looking like my best year ever. Arno Core yeah, has okay. changed my life. And I wanted to get you on air to thank you.
7: Thank you for saying those words. That means so much because I got to tell you something. When we started Fierce Performing out here, in california is where we really made our presence known in the united states and, uh, you've probably heard of 924 gilman street
8: which yes. is a, it's
7: it's a club where it's a punk rock club where many uh, bands such as operation ivy and oh. rancid and green day rancid. and all these green day, yeah. exactly absolutely so this is actually where honor core Really, truly had the the abuse in terms of the era that we were going to talk about now. Everything that happened before doesn't count in my mind.
5: <laughs> so when we when
7: when we entered into Gilman Street, we we truly had in the mind we wanted to present something nobody had seen. For whatever reason, since I was very young, I put so much value on originality it was important to me that not to follow in footsteps that came before we wanted to take a look at everything we admired in different bands that we had watched as fans over years since it was a kid but when we started honorcore we wanted really to present something that was definitely unique and created a different experience and also provided something that i always loved about live music was escapism. Every time I would go see a really terrific show of all the band, I would forget about the world outside that door. You know what it means? Like it was pure it mm-hmm. was escapism. It, the music would take over my whole experience. It's living it's in, that in that moment. It. Absolutely. It's being and a part feel, of yeah, that absolutely. moment. Absolutely. And it was in it. I would feel energized. And I, when, when uh, I was Fortunate to have so many talented friends around me that we could form this band together and have a vision together and sort of give back what we had gotten from live the live music experience for so many years. So that was our approach. So when we know that we have given back, and when we finally got started getting input of what we were presenting and what we were creating for people that were listening to Encore. That's the reward. So even hearing you, a new fan, just discovering us now, say that that feels really good, that even after all these years, what we're doing is still relevant, it's still needed, it's still something people look to and appreciate. But I am kicking myself
1: because we could have had you on throughout this whole time we've been doing this podcast, and I just recently got turned on to you guys.
7: Hey, better late than never.
1: For sure, Odell. Right? We just got turned on. Think how much better our life would have been if we got turned on to Arno Core three, four, five, 10, 12 years ago.
2: The trajectory oh, know. of our life
1: would have changed.
2: Oh, I know. That's what I wanted to get to. Is that why you think you have such a loyal fan base? Because I mean, watching the shows, there. I mean, there you have them in your hip pocket. So, is that one <laughs> of those things? Is that is it's that that escapism? The, the 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 fact that you can just let it all go and just completely I enjoy do- yourself.
7: I you know I've stepped back and I, I definitely have ste- wondered why because we are known probably for our fan base most of all as far as how how much the experience of Arncua is impacted and it is so much about the people that are there with us at the venues and we are so lucky because it is so all of the fans are goddamn fantastic ballsy heroes. And so it's very inclusive, like mm. it's, it's almost like the opposite of most uh, you know, very fanatical fan bases. A lot of times if you're a real hardcore fan of something, sometimes you get very uh, protective and you want it to be mm. your own and you, and you don't, you know, you don't believe that other people love it as much as you do and all that. With Anagla, right. it is like, it is the opposite of that where when people discover Arnocore and they discover other people that like Arnocore and their shows, instantly they become friends. And there are so many friendships that we have facilitated just by what we do, and it is terrific, including married couples and all this, the people that meet at their shows. And what is terrific, because sometimes people will look at the videos and go, whoa, what is going on that is so intense? But as soon as you are brought to a show you realize that all those people that maybe even have been going to honor Corps for 10 years if they see somebody new show up and they're kind of wondering hey what's this all about they'll put their arm around you they say come on let me tell you let's party you could be part of our rescue team tonight and that <laughs> i cannot and i cannot even tell you why that happened because it wasn't necessarily something we were deliberately doing all we we would just naturally we would do what we do on stage. I think it comes across that all of us on stage in the band, our we're best of friends and we have been for oh, like that's great. twenty, for even before the band started like fifteen years, and now we've been doing it almost twenty now. So you could do the math. We've you know yeah. it goes back to childhood, and I think that comes across. And also the fact that it, it, we were aware that when we, from the time we first got on stage, we we always wore a uniform, right? We would dress like mm-hmm. commandos, right? And then even yeah. in that first year, we started putting on the face paint and all that. And we had the symbol of honor core. So we had this sort of militant uh, presence. So I think because we were very aware of that context, of what we were doing in the sound of our music, that we had to make sure people knew that we were also approachable. So our sort of strategy there to make sure people knew that we were a rescue team, not assassins, is rather than being up on stage and kind of building ourselves up, we very quickly learned that it would pay off quick to build up the crowd. So we're always in there even before we would perform we would go around the crowd, introduce ourselves, meet everybody, find out what your name is, and then compliment them. Like, you know, I would handshake somebody. Whoa, that grip right there. Look at those biceps. And we, <laughs> would, we quickly we realized that this is about empowerment, right? And so yeah, that would – and instantly that is what people in the crowd would do with each other. They would see with Honor how we treat them, and then they would treat their neighbor that way so it was quick to spread that this is a thing of positivity having a good time and it's empowerment it's inspiration and absolutely because of all that very much my value of what i look for in live music escapism because what are you trying to escape is negativity right all the bad stuff we have to deal with in the world so if we can provide even for one evening this place there's pure concentrated positivity and pump where everybody is bolstering, you know, building each other up and uh, you know, encouraging each other. I have received so many ballsy messages. People will write us letters and talk about how, for example, we helped them gain the confidence to land a new new job and all that or, get oh, confidence or to to propose to the wife or something or somebody else. I mean if even, I ever I'm look running. for
1: another job, I'm actually going to write, I'm ballsy under special skills.
7: Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and before before the interview, definitely listen to the song a few times. And oh, yeah. you know got to crazy? get
1: pumped in the parking lot before the interview. That way you can nail it. Absolutely.
7: So I'm pumped. That is, you know, something that is turned out with Arno Coeur that has turned out to be terrific, but, you know, where you have a certain goal, you know, of course, initially pure escapism and fun, but then as you, if you stay open-minded about your vision of what it's creating with your friends, things just evolve, and the way Honor evolved, I could not have mapped it out and planned it better. It is terrific, and I am pumped! Come on! Uh (laughs) Ha! Hey, let's do this, because this is more
1: of a legacy show, retrospective show, than a promotional show for something that's coming out. Tell us something that the hardcore fans don't know. Let's do a deep dive into Austria and what you were doing before ArnoCore and what the catalyst was to fight against Austro-exploitation in America.
7: Let me tell you something. So I will all have to tell you something. If we really want to talk about something, no one's feared it. Because I actually have talked about that a little bit. Uh, I told the exploits of uh, yearly when I was in the Vienna Boys Choir and how it was a bunch of fucking choir boys compared to me. I had to get out of that whole style of music. And then people have also heard that the, it's be, become almost mythologized, my history. But I thought if we wanted to talk about something that honor fans have never heard about, a lot of times people ask me, have I met our nemesis, this guy, the Arnold Schwarzenegger People all the time want to know what have our encounters with that guy been like and what's what's going on in that. So how would you like to hear those stories, Cynthia?
1: That was actually next up yes, on my was... list. I absolutely want to hear what no! Arnold thinks of you guys and what kind of <laughs> uh, interactions you've had with Mr. Schwarzenegger.
7: Exactly. Well, let me tell you. So... I'll admit some things here. First of all, you can imagine for me, coming from Austria and seeing what I perceived was a man uh, exploiting, bastardizing, and selling out the culture of, uh, of the Alpine communities of Austria. That was my perception. He is selling out the fantastic heroic tales right? I mean, these Mm -hmm. stories pass down generations (laughs) in in the Alpine communities, right? These are stories to empower, right? These are stories that inspire people to do their own heroic deeds and go on their own heroic adventures. So we all know these are powerful, right? Everyone knows the underlying heroic journey tale is powerful and what other way have people been more inspired through the years? So, I saw it when uh, this guy is out here in California making these movie films, big blockbusters and all this, like the Total Recall and Predator Mm. and Running Man and all that, and giving no credit to back home. What about the Alpine people that have been passing this down for generations, right? So, I came out here with a little bit maybe a chip on my shoulder. I'm thinking this guy is, is doing things that is maybe making my great grandmother spin around. <laughs> yeah. So let me tell you, I was given the opportunity by a big friend of mine to go work a red carpet for one of his movie premieres. I believe this one was the sixth day. The movie or was it collateral damage i don't even remember i think it was collateral damage and i was invited to go out there help me friend keep in mind this is 2002 so oh, core wow. has not really gotten very much um traction right just a little bit of the big area i think by 2002 we had not even performed Outside of the B area, I don't think, maybe a little bit up north, but we had not, I don't think, had gone to LA yet or anything like that. Okay. So with that being the context, so I'm going to this red coffee, and I'm like, hey, finally, I could, uh, maybe I'll have an opportunity to confront the Swartz and Strudel, and I could tell him <laughs> what I think of, of what he's doing in all this, right? So this is terrific. I have this opportunity I get, the, I get a press pass to be in the red carpet. And sure enough, there's everybody is showing up. there's Arnold, there's Maria that he was with at the time, and some kids with them and all that and they're doing the red carpet. and my friend they interviews Arnold and uh, he asked me, please do not confront Arnold during my interview. I wanna, I need to keep it professional, right? He said, you have to do that at your own time. You have to find your own opportunity. He said, hey, there's an opportunity right there. No problemo, I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So so Arnold, he passes along the red carpet is pretty much done, the movie is even starting and everybody's trying to get in to start watching the movie. Arnold is still outside the door talking to a few people and I am uh, like 20 feet away and he is surrounded by security. And he's talking to somebody. I went, Hey, you only live once, right? There he is, the guy. I have mm-hmm. my CD here, which is just, of course, a demo of our first recordings. I think on that first recording, we just had probably, oh shit, I think it might have been the 2001 EP, which had Total Recall. What else? A uh, raw deal. I can't remember everything else that was on there. But anyway, it was a demo. So I decided, hey, let me, I'm just going to walk right past the security, right up to him, and give him the CD and tell him what it's about, and I'll see what happens. So I start approaching, and I have to tell you guys right now, I am, of course, thinking about the worst possible uh, thing that could happen. What is the worst thing that could do? Does the security just grab me, tell me to go away, right? This mm-hmm. probably the weirdest. Or you I could get the yeah, dog yeah.
1: snot kicked out of you. How many hey. security guys do you think he could? I mean, you're ballsy, but how many security guys can you take on? Can I take on? Let me tell you, it depends on how pumped I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Were you pumped enough and to take it. them all on, including Arnold? Hey. hey. Channeling your Let ancestors.
7: You. Can can I can I tell you right now, that is the definition of ballsy, right? Knowing that there could be a bad outcome of something you're going to do and still doing it anyway, right? That's ballsy. Mm-hmm. So I decided, screw it, right? I'm going to go for it. So I'm not even concerned about what might happen. Yeah, sure. Maybe I get roughed up by security and all that, but worst case, I mean, then I have a fantastic story, right? <laughs> Let me tell you, when Arnold Goons kicked my ass, That was be <laughs> <the> terrific <laughs> So hey, my hat's off to you. Would... Yes, exactly. Let me tell you. So, I just walked right through the security directly straight up into Arnold. I was going <laughs> to admit right now, completely rude, right? I would, I would not even have held it against him if he said, "Who's this character? Get out of here," or completely ignored me, right? But I just went up to him and I said, "Hey, Arnold, let me tell you something right now. You have to listen to what's on the CD right here." To his credit, and this I'll admit now, and I have never admitted before, my perception of the guy, that was the first time it changed a little bit from a purely negative perception. Suddenly I started to see there might be more to what is going on, because I'll tell you what he did. He stopped everything. He stopped talking to the other guy. He gave me his full 100% undivided attention. He took the CD from my hand. And he looked at the front. He goes, hey, terrific. And then he turned around and looked at the back. And he goes, is your address on there? And I said, no, my address isn't on there. My phone number is on there. And uh, he goes, your phone number? Terrific. Thank you. And he reaches his hand, shakes my hand. And I'm thinking, god damn, this guy is pretty uh, pretty friendly. (laughs) I did not expect him to be so nice to this guy. Who is so rude right now. So I, it, and then it was, <laughs> I was taking back, I'll tell you. I, I was so prepared for the confrontation. I was so prepared to say, Arnold, come on,
9: what are you doing?
7: You've sold back, you've sold out all oh, the ancient lore of a homeland to create movies and to build yourself up, to depict yourself as the hero. I know what you're doing. You were going to rise to power. One day you're going to get in politics because, keep in mind, this was a year before. Ah, but, uh, ah he that's right. I was so taken aback. He was so friendly and nice. I figured, you know what? I'll let him listen to the CD on his own time and figure it out himself. Come on. All right. <laughs> so <there he> <laughs> and then later, so then he goes in the movie. And after they come out. Everybody's coming out. The limousines are coming to pick everybody up. And I saw, and I got to thinking, I don't know if Arnold is going to remember that he hears that CD in there. Or if he'll throw it away. I don't know what's going to happen. So I happened to see Maria, Maria Shriver. And she is outside of the movie, after the movie. And I go up to here and I said, Hey, Maria, come on, let me tell you something. I have this terrific CD right here that has the musical interpretations of the original tales that your husband is making movies about. And her reaction was a little bit different. She takes two tiny (laughs) steps backwards. (laughs) She is thinking, who is this loony? But (laughs) then before before I could help her realize that uh, I'm cool, I'm not some kind of crazy psycho messing around, before I had the opportunity to do anything, a young man, uh, like a teenager, maybe even younger, I don't know, like 12, maybe early teens, and he this kid runs up and he goes, "Oh, Arnocore. those guys are fantastic!" And I'm like, "Hey, oh, Yeah, awesome. and he goes, "You're an AutoCore. and I said, "Exactly." Let that me sounds tell like you. a I'm very ballsy band. kid. That's yeah, awesome, exactly, right? I couldn't believe it because at that time we had not even toured that much uh, in the B area. We definitely had internet presence though. We had started getting known on the internet pretty early. So this kid, and then he takes the CD. And walks away, and I'm like, my reaction initially is like, that son of a bitch! He just took the from Maria. (laughs) What (laughs) What is he doing? And then the limo comes along. All of gets in. Maria gets in, and then the kid gets in with him. So, oh, snap! It was, yeah, exactly. So it was either. I don't know if it was their son, maybe at the time. I mean, that was, I would have to do the research back then in 2002, no one really knew much about their family and all that. So I'm not sure how old they were back then. Of course, now everybody knows about his kids. Uh, Patrick now acting and the other one is, I don't know what he's doing. And then the one with the housekeeper who is getting into bodybuilding now. Anyway, when that kid gets in the in the limo with them, i'm like whoa how is that for an in that kid is pumped on honor Corps. you know he's going to tell the limo driver put this in now
9: do it Damn! what are you waiting for it's on
2: <laughs>
1: so let me ask you this with all this time that has passed Was Arnold such a sweetheart where you would go play Arnold's grandkids' birthday party or you would even be open to (laughs) doing the soundtrack on one of his (laughs) Austro-exploitation films? Has he charmed you that much?
7: Not that much, let me tell you. It it only was just a little hint that maybe there's more to the story. For example, maybe it is not Arnold who is exploiting all this. Maybe he is also the victim here. Maybe he is being put up to it, right? Maybe there's more to the story where he is more of a pawn, right? Of the Hollywood media machine, of the moguls and all that. I'm not sure. I have not determined yet. On our that. so we still fight osteoportation, but I don't put as much pressure on Swanson Stoodle himself.
2: What do you think about him getting... What do you think about him getting back into movies and stuff now?
7: um, Each one of these movies he has made post-governor, these absolutely belong to the Alpine communities. This is where they originated from. So you better believe Arna must restore integrity to these stories. These stories, such as uh, Escape Plan, Right? Um, The Last Stand. All Mm -hmm. these movie films, they need to be retold through music. You need to hear these stories the way they were meant to be told, through music, right? And that's what, when Anacor returns, whenever that is, it might be two years, might be five years. I don't know. But when we do return, that is what we're going to do. We're going to take back all. Of the ancient lore that he has bastardized uh, more recently, so we're including the expendables right there. But, but let's yeah, talk about the that. Then
1: let me jump in right here because with the world in so sure. much fucking chaos and turmoil right now, it seems like we need right. Arno Core more than ever. Yet you that's guys are going on indefinite hiatus. Why, Holsfjord? Why are you doing ah. this? To us? <laughs> <laughs> this is.
7: Before I answer that, I want to skip back to a question you hit earlier about playing parties. Um, We were invited to play, to perform, to do an audio assault at the after party for the Terminator 3 premiere. Ooh. We were actually uh, booked to do that and this was going to be the after party situation, but at the last minute, they canceled. They decided that the lyrical content was a little too rough for the children that would be there. They wanted more uh, family uh, live band. That would be a little more.
1: Are you telling me is. Arno Core was too ballsy for an Arnold centric event? Exactly. Can you believe that?
7: Oh, man, By irony, you are a victim you know, of irony, Hulse. We were too ballsy, and I, I love the irony that our lyrics. We're we're a little too abrasive for a rated R movie. What is going on right there?
1: Like the kids haven't seen the movie? So the movie is watching people's heads get blown off and stuff is fine, but the music is just too intense.
7: It's too ballsy for it. I mean, mean, to have a band up there singing, I'm ballsy, I'm a stud, I smoke my Stokies whenever I want, that's going to freak people out. (laughs) Telling people (laughs) to chopper to music.
1: Hey. it must What's it's just day? too intense so let's talk about the um hiatus why we need you ever?
7: it you know it it's crazy i have to tell you something it is through that i believe for a band to come out right now like if arno quash came out right now i don't think people would be surprised i think it would make perfect sense in context of the world now, right? You it, it just it would be. In in fact, there was other bands that came like eight years after we founded, uh, that were essentially they they were self-described as Arnold movie tribute bands. They came out after Unicore, like eight years. I won't say their names because I don't want to give. Yeah, publicity. And me. just to clarify,
1: you are not mm-hmm. an Arnold film tribute band. You are actually fighting exactly. Austrian exploitation. No, you're fighting, yeah. That is a very yeah, big distinction exactly. that needs to
7: be made. Huge, huge. Which I believe is the reason we are still around and the other guys aren't. Because mm-hmm. you can't with with music if you're looking for longevity with your project, and not just music, but with art in general or anything that's creative. If you don't have layers and depth to what you're doing, it's by default can be super limited in terms of the time you could do it. So, with Arnold Core, when we, you know, we had so much depth to what we were doing. Because beyond, you know, we're people, because we will have fans, for example, because we take back the words that are used in these movies a lot of times. Certain songs, for example, one of our most popular songs is Predator which has the lines that everyone is more used to hearing in the movie film, Predator. So, you know, for me, you know, when I drop to my knees during Predator, during a song, and I go, come on, I'm here, do it (laughs) it, it now. You know, people get all psyched and pumped up on that, like, oh, Dylan, you son of a bitch. So we do have (laughs) a segment of a fan base that just likes it for that. But then we have more fans that aren't even necessarily fans of the movies. A lot of times they say they've never even seen the movies. They just like the energy of honorcore, they like our machismo, the, the message of empowerment, the involvement, because we get the fans on stage, they, we get them involved in doing physical fitness challenges on stage, doing the songs and all that. So there's a lot of people that just embrace honorcore for what we are beyond what's on the surface of a lot of people see that might fierce get the attention. But you have to have more than that if you want longevity. So I think right now, a band arriving on the scene right now doing what we do would really make good sense. I think that here's the crazy thing. That Arnold Cor- came on the scene and arrived the weird part isn't that we existed the weird part is when we existed at the time that we came up and we started the getting attention out here in the bay area and then doing our album and then starting to tour europe and the uk and uh, all that what is weird is the timing because maybe you were sent
1: from the future to start this band and then your memory was wiped
7: hey I You know, these are things that can be talked about for years, right? I mean, these are things that maybe we should have a documentary. Maybe we should make a movie about it. But the thing is, keep in mind, with Arnold Kuo, we played a fierce show at Gilman Street, 2001. And, uh, you know, we have songs like Running Man and the Commando and all that. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was no, there was no YouTube. There was no social media. There was none of like this remix culture because the accessibility wasn't there. Like what you see, you could go on YouTube now and there's a song now about anything. You know, you, there's the Harry Potter songs, you know, now there are uh, Lord of the Rings. Well, I guess they were always Lord of the Rings song, right? Uh, based on the, the books, but the, you know, the, there'll be now, um, there's even a band based on like Simpsons now, or. Uh, McDonald's characters like this. We know them both well. Yes. Yes, sure. we do exactly. So that is the culture that is kind of happening now, and in those kinds of things arriving now, it makes sense because it's more accessible. You could create sort of, you could have an idea, and you could execute it very quickly. Now you have everybody has a video camera on their own phone. Everybody has yep. computers that have essentially. Uh, recording studios, you know, with garage band and all that. So you really could have now an idea on a whim and you can create it within a month or two. And um so in the context of now something like Arncore, it maybe would not be so surprising, right? It would not be like, whoa, this is crazy, you know, but at the time in two thousand one when we performed the first show, people were very nobody saw it coming.
9: <laughs> it was, people Beautiful. people could
7: not compare it to anything else like right? um and we were hopeful i'll be honest i i was hopeful that we would inspire other people to create uh, bands based on the concept or an idea and because uh, at the time the only band people could compare us to was gua that was the only thing they could think of well, Gwa, <laughs> which is nothing like ArnoCore, really because we don't wear costumes, we, we just wear uniforms. Uh, we're not claiming to be from outer space, we're just a bunch of palsy studs from Austria. You know, we're, too, we're more relatable, definitely, to the audience, you know? We're just palsy studs that the audience could be too. So, not that I minded, I mean, because uh, Dave Brockie and what everything he did with Gua, I admire it. it's terrific. But that's just an example, of the, there's nothing else happening at the time that people could relate, there definitely was no uh, Oakley Doakley, right? Or Mag Sabbath, that that you would book on a court to perform with all that. So, at the time, it was really out of left field, and I am proud of that. I I really appreciate the fact that somehow, we did something that now, 20 years later, seems appropriate. So I love the fact that we were inappropriate! Come on! (laughs) Well, look, hey, I
1: could sit here and talk to you to midnight, but we've got to get you oh, out of yeah. here. I am going to play something off your latest album, Welcome to the Gym. I'm going to play some deadlift, yeah. and then we're going to come back and get you out of here.
7: Ballsy. I appreciate that. Absolutely.
1: So hang tight. Right now. We'll be right back. Oh. P, hit some deadlift. <laughs> From being pump blood trickling down my forehead we've got to get hopeful you're <laughs> out of here but before we do i've got to ask you why we're on hiatus why Arnocore is on hiatus what is in your future because i see some international motivational yeah.
7: speaking are you gonna go that route let me t- that would be terrific but i I'm telling you now, I I hate to disappoint, but I am taking time for myself off the stage. I won't be performing. I am going to be working on some art projects myself. I'm getting back to uh, painting is an old passion of mine. I am going to get back to painting. And I am also uh, heavily involved in the world of motorcycles. And I am going to be building with my father a 1940 Indian chief and getting that back on the road and you worked for a motorcycle going, magazine right i did it for a little while there city bike yeah. magazine that's right they huh? because the editor was an honor Corps fan he said come on i need hope for you in my magazine and i said hey <laughs> let's go ride and talk about it so now i'm taking some time to take care of a lot of projects that I just simply could not have time because article was all consuming it took over my life uh, uh, 19, well, close to 20 years if you include the first year of just uh, writing music, rehearsing, and all that. And um, so I'm pumped. But when we come back, I will assure you, we will be better, bigger, bulgier than ever before. We talked about context and we talked about the fact that when Encore came out, it was unexpected. I want to recreate that feeling. So when Encore comes back now, in a, whenever that is, I want to make sure we are groundbreaking. We are pushing the envelope, and we are making every, making sure that everybody takes notice and appreciates that we're doing. That we are reinventing the whole content thing. That's what we're going to aspire to do.
1: And I have no doubt That's you to awesome. do it. Awesome. So let's end with this. Even though you guys are f- formally not together at the moment on hiatus, your legacy is still out there on the Google machine. Tell everybody where we can look up Arno Core online and get some of that sweet pump legacy.
7: Hey, thank you. Well, we we have our own website that we will, in during this hiatus, I believe we will re- be redoing it. Because you're right, we have to maintain the legacy of what we've done that is important to us. In fact, I think there's more people that never heard of us that would appreciate So we have to put that out there. ArnoCore.com, A-R-N-O-C-O-R-P-S.com. And we're also on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. That's um, a uh, forward slash Holtzfeuer. Uh, Friend me on there. I, I think during my hiatus, I'll probably still be going on there and sharing some ballsy advices and all these kinds of things. We'll see. We'll see what happens. The America needs you. Sad, let me tell you. Yes, they do. The world needs thank you. you
1: all righty. I cannot thank you enough for helping us end this decade in the most ballsy yes, way crap. imaginable. And I wish you the best going into 2020.
7: Thank you. I look forward when we do come back. Teaming up with you guys. We got Arnold Kwan needs to get out to the East Coast out there. Yes. I'm feeling on the other side of this ballsy country right here. Yes. Interviewing you live
1: and seeing you live would probably be the most ballsy moment of my life. You
2: got, we got, yeah, yes, yes.
7: And Baltimore (laughs) is is a ballsy city, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, it is. I can wait. We- we'll make it happen, guys. Appreciate your support, your enthusiasm. You got me excited that we will absolutely get our asses back out there for the people. Thank you, guys, and happy New Year! Right back you too, at you, all righty. Go.
1: Our next guest is a groovy, groundbreaking twenty-year-old supersonic guitarist and writer who has just released her debut album entitled "Jean Genie." The savagely—I just learned this word—soya sonji Jerry I hope I pronounced that right. Poppy Jean Crawford. Poppy, are you hello. with us? Howdy. Hey. I am,
5: hello. Howdy. Hello.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in and helping us wrap up what I call the upside down decade. You are on our last show of the 2010s. So, thank you for coming in.
10: Woohoo! Yay! <laughs>
1: <Cool>. <laughs> so, New Year's Eve is a us. I not
10: Imagine Dragons.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have <laughs> a- about I that. I love With that. Much- Really, I'd much rather talk to Poppy than
2: Imagine
10: Dragons,
1: but then again, I'm a little bit more piss and vinegar and underground.
2: Oh
10: wow! Than is, oh, thank so. you. So, <laughs> hey, let's talk
1: New Year's Eve. Um, New Year's Eve is nipping at our heels. It's the end of the decade. What does Poppy Jean Crawford have planned for New Year's Eve?
10: Um, I don't know. I might go see um, uh, escapism. You know, Ian Sinonius and our friend ally who's in the band too and then also opening his crush the band you know uh, members of the black lips at harvard and stuff. yeah
1: that's
10: what i might do i don't know
1: so no shows lined up then you're not playing tomorrow night
10: oh oh new Year's like like january what's happening
1: no new year's eve tomorrow night are you actually performing oh. or are you just kind of having a relaxed
10: evening Oh, no, I'm not going to perform. I'm going to just hang out. I might not do anything, but I'll try. But I am playing a show (laughs) um, on January 3rd at the Smell. It's their 22nd anniversary. I saw that today. So
1: you must be pretty damn excited about that because I know I had read in that post you put up that you kind of got your start in some ways there.
5: Working concessions and stuff.
10: Yeah, that was my first, I think I was 15 or 14, and I, it's like, you know, my mom took me there and, like, waited in the parking lot, and I, like, went and hung out, and I just thought I was so cool, you know, working (laughs) at the smell. and I remember seeing, like, Cherry Glazer play one of their anniversary shows, and just, and then wondering, like, why am I not getting to play? It's like, because you weren't good enough already, but, you know, but now I am, so...
1: So is it surreal? Like, how is it processing the success at such a young age? Because you have a success level that a lot of people work years and years to get, especially out on the West Coast, there's so much competition.
10: Well, thank you for saying that. I don't necessarily feel like super successful, but then sometimes I have moments where I'm like, wow, like look where I am compared to where I was. And it is, you know, I'm growing and I'm doing better and better every year so it's i don't know it's exciting but it's just you know a push and pull like i'm not good enough i'm doing amazing it's like you know up and down so
1: oh i know that feeling right odell we're musicians yeah that's like
2: yeah well we know that. it's never it's uh, you I i always tell like i have um three little ones and 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 they're the oldest is 10 and the youngest is uh four so my 10 year old he's starting to play guitar and i'm always he's always uh like oh i can't get this or it it sounds okay but i think i can do it a little bit better i'm like son just get used to being your own worst critic you're going to judge yourself harder than mm-hmm. anybody else does so if you feel capable and successful what you do most likely some everybody else will and on on, on that mm-hmm. note how you were talking about success and and where you but you're signed to danger mouse's label how did that go about does that's He's like a hero of mine.
10: (laughs) Well, he's awesome. I actually met him for the first time last month. Oh wow!
2: Okay.
10: Yeah, he was. I met him at this um, recording studio. It's like I forget the name of it. Is it? It's not Sunset Sound, but it's like one of those old school like LA recording studio places. And he was like so down to earth. Like he literally was like sitting on the floor. And I was like sitting on you know the couch, but uh-huh. I I met this manager at you know a family friend's birthday dinner, and I started talking to him, and I just started talking his ear off. He manages the kills, he manages the kills and priest, and yeah, some bands like that. So I you know I was like oh this guy seems cool, so I just you know like pop myself down and I just started talking and telling him about my music and. He came to a show, you know, we met and he, he was into it, but I didn't really have like any new material. So then I I went and I per, I did an, um, an EP with this producer called, um, named Paige Stark. And so we did a five song EP and I was really proud of it. So I sent it to him and I was like, I just sent it to him, not knowing what to expect. And then we had a meeting and he's like, well, I played it for Danger Mouse and he wants to put it on his. You know his label and i was like okay wow so <laughs> you know now what's fascinating I was like, and everyone's like you have to shop it around and i was like uh i'm okay i think i want to be on yeah the i'm good TV. yeah yeah you
1: may yeah, right, yeah right. i'm good <laughs> so let me tell you what's I'm fascinating Me and Odell's in our (laughs) mid to late 40s. At 20 years old, I was drinking in the fucking woods, laughing about the latest (laughs) Beavis and Butthead episode, and here you are, 20 years old, just absolutely shredding it, and I know you come from a musical entertainment-type household. At 20 years Mm -hmm. old, with this perception, do you feel like, wow, man, I have so much road ahead of me. I'm just on the first leg of the musical journey. Like, is it kind of overwhelming To think that you are so far along, and I know maybe you don't consider yourself so far along, but from the Mm -hmm. outside view, you've accomplished already a hell of a lot. Does it feel feel
10: grunting to you?
1: Really? It's
5: like
10: I am old. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, because I thought I was going to make it when I was like 16 or something. So I'm like, well, I'm not that. Okay. So I got (laughs) to, you know, sometimes I forget how old I am, and I'm like, man, this has taken a long time. And I'm like, oh, wait. I'm 20. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. You know, so is it so. dawning
1: when you think about how much road you have ahead of you? Do you worry about – because I would feel like if I was in your position, mm-hmm. like I would constantly – but I'm also very neurotic. But I would constantly be like, oh, mm-hmm. man, am I going to just like flare up for the next five, ten years, and then it's going to be downhill because my best work is already behind me? Or are you kind of looking at a very optimistic yeah. like – Hey, I'm already 20 and I'm already here. By the time I'm 40, I'm going to own this fucking planet.
10: Well, I would like to think that by the time I'm 40, I'm going to own the fucking planet. But, um, <laughs> but um, I, it's kind of both. Like what I said before, it's like I sometimes I feel like, oh, I am I ever going to write a great song like that again? Am I ever? gonna But then you know, yeah, sometimes I'm like, wow, this is just the beginning of this journey. I have like a very, um, I'm obsessed with number 26. So I believe that's going to be the year where I'm going to feel like my ultimate uh, success. That's weird, um, too, because
1: a lot of the greats die at 27. Hendrix, Brad Noll from Sublime, Jim Morrison, Joplin, Shannon um, from Blind Melon. Like a lot of cats check out at 27.
10: Well, no, I'm not, I'm not 20, like, this is 26. So what That's I, what
1: I'm what saying. So seeing, you gotta blow up big. I mean, these numbers are significant. Sometimes <laughs> I think.
10: Well, but well, okay. I can tell you a long story. I don't know if you want to hear it.
1: We can tell absolutely you. love long stories. Hit us. Yes. <laughs> okay,
10: so when I was sixteen, you know, I had started making music, and you know, I don't know, smoking weed or whatever, and and Charles Manson would like, you know call our house and stuff because my mom's boyfriend was pen pals with him so he would like and was that house. Perry Farrell so I. no was... no no
1: because that wasn't home. your mom's boyfriend no
10: I don't
1: okay she, I thought your mom, mom dated did... Perry Farrell or something
10: he, she did a long time ago but that's oh, before gotcha. I was born
1: alright i was sorry, yeah, sorry.
10: Then... <laughs> no no I don't I don't know him I ran into oh well I guess some, one of them ties into the story so but, but anyway, so he would call, so I became interested, so I read Helter Skelter, and then I, you know, really loved Sharon Tate, and before I started reading that, all the guys that I was sleeping with were all 26, so I was obsessed with the number 26, and then I read the book, and Sharon Tate was born January 24th, and my birthday is January 24th, and she died and she was 26, so then I, you know.
1: Oh,
5: so is that
10: really strange? Is that at
1: all influencing your creative choices, or is this just a bit of strangeness that you keep in your back pocket?
10: I mean, it kind of influences me. I mean, I think she's beautiful and stuff, and I, you know, I wrote a song about it a long time ago, but, you know, I guess it's something I keep in my pocket. But then I went to her auction, like a Sharon Tate auction, and Dave Navarro was there, and I was like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" You know my mom. He's like, "Who's your mom?" And I was like, "You know, Casey Nicole." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, I know your
8: mom."
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you played with Dave, right? I mean, didn't you guys do? And it eventually became a band called Dead Cross. Like, you did a session with them. I was a little bit. I read about it online. I was a little bit
10: confused. That wasn't Dave Navarro. That was Dave Lombardo.
1: Oh, okay, that's what I thought you said. Slayer. Right, gotcha. And he teamed up with Mike Patton and created Dead Cross, but I didn't know that you had originally played with them and all of that madness kind of was the catalyst Mm -hmm. for Dead Cross to get started.
10: Yeah, well I guess you could say that Mike Patton stole my gig but (laughs) but it was never quite my gig. But no, I I was I was again I was like sixteen and I my dad had known this producer ross robinson since he was in his 20s because he produced my dad a long time ago and he was also the corn producer so when i was little yeah. i hung out with like corn and all those guys and um so when i started making music i played him my songs and he you know he was into it and then dave lombardo had a band and they canceled last minute on their session that they had scheduled with ross so he had some open time and Dave Lombardo was free. So he came in and he, you know, he played. And then um, Justin Pearson and Michael Crane. And Justin Pearson's like in the Bel- Lacoste Bel- Bel- and, uh, I don't know, a bunch of bands like that. So, but yeah, then mm-hmm. they were my backing band. And then they all got together and they enjoyed it. So then they started Dead Cross. And I helped them track a cover of Bella Lugosi's Dead. And I filled in for Mag Patton. So, I hope you
1: realize and appreciate how fucking bizarre this is. Yeah. The average person, like me and Odell (laughs) have played in bands, we've done our touring thing, (laughs) and we've done these little things. But what you're talking about, especially at 20 years old, is so bizarre. If it's bizarre to us, it's got to be bizarre to the average listener. It's like a
2: lifetime of sport, like, at such a, I mean, it's amazing when you you hear it.
10: I have even more (sighs) growing up in LA. I have a lot of weird, you know i guess if you want to say celebrity connections and stuff you know just by being kid here
1: so it's so you you get that it's bizarre though right to the average person
10: i i guess yeah but that's your life has been charmed it's not yeah well i feel a little bit you know like i have a purpose and you know i have spiritual connections and meetings that's why like Mm -hmm. The Sharon Tate stuff and stuff. like, I feel like there's so many, like, connections in my life. Like, I'm really meant to be here and stuff.
1: I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like (laughs) you are really falling into some great – I mean, I don't want to say falling because that's connotates that you didn't earn it. That you've really worked Mm -hmm. your way into some really brilliant situations. And I'm always flabbergasted at the younger generation because they do so much. I mean, we were idiots Mm -hmm. at 20 years old. And you have so much <laughs> going on, it's just mind-blowing to me.
10: Well, it sucks, because you have to have a lot going on and be an idiot at the same time. So, you know.
1: Yeah, it's hard to push through. Okay, listen, we're going to play some Jonesy Gonsy. Um, do you want to tell us anything about this song before we play it?
10: Um, You know, that's a song about me being obsessed with someone, I guess.
1: And how did that turn that's out for it. you? <laughs>
10: Um oh, it didn't quite work out, but I got a good song out of it.
2: So. You got a good song out of it, really though. <laughs> Everything's
1: coming yeah. up Millhouse.
10: All right. Let's That's play a song and we'll be right back.
1: I want to talk about the new album with you. It's your first EP. How are you feeling about this project? And do you feel like this project is a good representation of Poppy Jean Crawford? Do you feel like this is a great introduction to
10: you? Mm. I feel like, you know, I feel like I actually haven't even quite quite gotten to like show exactly who I am yet. I mean, with this EP what I wanted is what I got out of it you know I just wanted something that was like kind of a calling card like you know to show off some of my skills like I like you know just something that had was very clean and clear and like you know my voice was up in the mix and and you know my songwriting was kind of showcased but I feel like I do have even more like Live, I get really loud and distortion and noisy. Like, mm-hmm. so it ha- doesn't even quite hit to what I do live, but I think that it it still represents me too, you know, in a in a in part of me, you know.
2: Gotcha. And I and, and one thing I well outside of the music, I'm still in relation to the album, um, like the album cover, is that like your room or is that a specific place? Cause I noticed certain things on the wall and I noticed certain albums or it looked like albums sort of below you. And I was wondering if mm-hmm. are those were those influential albums for you or was that just, it just so happened to be in the picture. Well, I'm at the glad time that, that you
10: can... noticed that's what yeah. I wanted people to see. I wanted to feel like you can look at it for hours, but that is my room um okay okay yeah that's my room and that one is i there's one album i don't know if you've noticed any others but there's one album and it's um a seven inch from pj harvey and john Parrish. Yes. and and it's the yes yeah that was my veil and i love that okay
3: Mm
2: -hmm. okay yeah years ago i'm like nick said i'm in my mid-40s but pj harvey (laughs) was probably the first artist that my sister she's she's 41 but when she started asking me about music when I was a teenager and gotten into college and I gave her one of uh, PJ Harvey's like early albums and
3: I yep same I'm 41 I'm 40 this year <laughs> and I loved loved PJ Harvey PJ yeah, Harvey and still were like the ones who broke the mold for me because before that all I'd really heard as far as females was like Mariah mm-hmm. Carey and poppy stuff yeah. and like Destiny's yeah. Well, it was, wasn't even Destiny's Child yet. And I mean, that like that mm-hmm. was it. So for PJ Harvey to come out and just be like,
10: this is who I am. Oh, and, no, she's, you know, she's awesome. Oh, I mean, basically, pe- people kept on saying, you sound like PJ Harvey. You sound like PJ Harvey. Mm-hmm. So I was like, OK, so I started, you know, kind of. I got into it, and I remember the first time I heard it. I think I had heard it when I was little because my parents used to listen to stories from the city, from the sea, like all the time. Apparently, but yes. but I listened yep. to it, and I was like, and I was like, "Are you allowed to sing like that?" I, yeah. like, I didn't right. even know that you were allowed, like, could do that. Like when I heard, it, I was like, I was like, actually, like, I didn't like because I was in choir or whatever. I just didn't know that you were allowed to do Same. that, but yeah i was she's so cool when i was like you know a rebellious teenager and then you get older and then you can get get into different albums and yeah so i'm a big pj harvey fan i won't deny it yeah like pj harvey
2: spawned so much for me i know you know it was like pj harvey um i was big into juliana hatfield tanya donnelly um and then bjork and then it just went Mm portishead and and I see, I hear a lot yeah, of that cowboy yeah. junkies. I hear a lot of that in your in your songs. I hear a but lot
1: that's of that old school in your cowboy music. junkies.
2: Yes. Oh
10: yeah. Oh. So. I don't know if I've ever. I've never listened to Cowboy Junkies, so I have to check that oh. out. Oh.
2: Yes, definitely. That's a that's a must. <laughs> oh, and the church. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: You get that's some a... church vibes for me. No, no, it's a band called The Church. Oh. That's also oh. in that oh, same yeah, genre. <laughs>
10: No, that's what I was saying. Do you you guys get some the church influence on me?
1: I mean, I would say the spectrum runs from the church all the way up to Radiohead. I mean, you're definitely a a kind of haunting vibe. And I always like lyrics and music, not even music, but vocals Mm -hmm. that are kind of haunting. I gravitate towards that. So, yeah, definitely from church to Radiohead.
10: I love Radiohead. That's that's pretty much the most thing I listen to is Radiohead all the time. Some scenes are like, oh, Radiohead? I was like, I don't care. I love Radiohead. Whatever. I try to take it away from <laughs> Yeah. You yeah, wait. whatever. I try to take from my sure. cold, dead hands. I love my Radiohead.
5: Yeah. Radiohead he is the, the
10: we, King of limbs. We got to get oh,
2: goodness.
1: I want to finish up with this. 2020 is just mm-hmm. around the corner. What does 2020 have in store for you? And how do you stay fucking optimistic? And I love talking to young people about this. And I always say, like, I don't understand how anybody under 30 hasn't gone children of the corn on my generation yet. (laughs) How do you stay optimistic? We've got climate change, the threat of that, just political Mm -hmm. chaos. You have hate groups on the rise, so much insanity. How do you Mm -hmm. stay optimistic going into the 2020s right now?
10: i mean i just don't really think anyone has any control over it and any generation like you know will say to a younger generation that oh you guys it's really it's really fucked for you isn't it and i'm like oh yeah the same for you you know like you know talking (laughs) to your grandparents you know i'm sure you know they were getting drafted and all this crap so Mm
5: -hmm. i'm just
10: going to keep on going and i guess next year for me i'm going to be I'm going to be on tour most of the year. I have a tour with the Black Lips. I'm playing South nice. Southwest. I have a big secret, um, the biggest thing I've ever played before, but I can't talk about it yet. I, can't, I don't think I can announce it. But
5: <laughs>
10: Did I see I you
1: were playing with Death Valley Girls? Are you happy? Because we love Death Valley Girls.
10: Oh, I, I'm playing with L.A. Witch in Riverside in January. Nice. Okay. But Death Valley Girls, I do know. You know, I know them. My boyfriend does visuals for them sometimes, and you know, I've, I've been around. You know, Bonnie. She's super cool, and yeah. Yeah, Bonnie's great. Maybe I'll do some shows with them. We've been. I think we've talked about it before. So we'll see. That might happen
1: right on all right well i want to thank you for helping us wrap up this decade i can you believe we're saying that odell i keep saying it i like know places, man because i can't I process being born in 1971 and going into 2020 which sounds Ooh. so futuristic um it's insane <laughs> to me so that's <laughs> why i keep saying it yeah we are wrapping this decade up and i want to thank you for calling in and thank you so much it, thanks everyone. for having
10: me thanks for letting me wrap up the decade with you guys it's-
1: I don't awesome. know why you
10: deserve this, but I'll
1: take it. <laughs> oh, dude, your music is inspiring. And it's our anybody pleasure. that yeah, inspires you. me, I invite on the show. But before you go out the door, tell everybody where we can find you on the interwebs.
10: All right. Um, my Instagram is Poppy Jean Crawford, And pretty much if you type in that, you can find me on every single thing that you want.
1: Right on, and how social media? Um. We've been talking to people tonight about social media. Is social media working for you? Because I feel like social media is getting so toxic. It's almost better to kind no, of no, I hate separate it. From it. It almost yeah. it almost
5: put <laughs> me on the spot
10: when. So when before I got signed to thirtieth, um, I met with this manager, and I you know went to go talk about the EP and see if maybe he would want to work with me, and he just railed on me about not having enough followers. He said, no one's gonna sign you, no one's gonna work with you, you need to have 10,000, you need to have this. And then I had like even my, you know, just so many people putting me down about it and I was like, you know, I felt for a second like, great. Well, what am I gonna do? But, But then I got, you know, one of the biggest booking agents in America and signed to Danger Mouse's label, and he doesn't care about followers. Yeah,
1: don't pay attention to the naysayers. Get out of the fucking viper's pit. Facebook is a viper's pit now. And I'm a guy who actually does social media management on Facebook, and I'm saying it's it's a viper's pit. (laughs) It's
10: not real. And it's also like, you know, just because you have whatever number doesn't mean they're going to your shows or they're going to buy your records. It's all just It's all fake. It's yeah, actually, it's like Sebastian I mean, Bach said. That guy? Sebastian Bach from
1: Skid Row had like two million followers and couldn't sell like ten thousand albums when his solo album well, came out. So it doesn't. Did you mean you hear that.
10: about that guy who like he went to Europe and he like got all these big venues to let him play a show because he just bought YouTube views and followers. And then he had these huge arenas, and they're empty. You
1: know, <laughs> holy moly! <laughs> that is a beautiful commentary on the age we live in now. That's fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. all right. That's a great way to end the show or end the album. Yeah. we yeah. got to get I'm out of here to our next note. guest. Yeah, give us a positive <laughs> note. Take us out on something okay, positive, well, thank Poppy.
10: You guys. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll talk to you guys anytime. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Us. All right, we much appreciate. Day. it. Thank Bye. you so much. Okay, thank you, guys.
2: Bye. All Bye. righty,
1: Odell. We are three-fourths through the final yes.
2: episode.
1: The final episode of the decade. Will I see the oh, 2030s, my goodness. Odell?
2: <laughs> Woo, by that time, oh, goodness gracious. Will we see
1: mm. the 2050s? Do you think me and you oh, will still goodness. be doing this podcast in 2050?
2: No. If we can hear
1: <laughs> we won't have to here. We holler- well look, um, April was talking about virtual reality, right? And she got the new Oculus, like top dollar. Her dad got it for her for Christmas. And she's like, hey, I was waiting for a game to load. So I was walking around the waiting room and this guy came up to me, the avatar of this guy, and they have no bottoms, and he's pointing towards his penis, and he starts humping me. He grabs me in virtual reality and starts humping me, and I had to run what? away, and I didn't know there was actual, you could talk to people, and I was like, can you hear me? And he's like, oh, I can hear you, baby, oh yeah. And I was like, how long is it going to be before you could be sexually assaulted in the virtual reality landscape? Oh, like, how long oh never that?
2: mind. See? But
1: how long before that to lull, where you can actually That's be like Black
2: Mirror and- stuff. Yeah, That's like is. that show Black Mirrors, man, that I watch. It's like, it's nuts. Because it's like, it's not that far off.
1: Right. It's and seriously these are not that far off. we are going to have to grasp with cloning, artificial intelligence, uploading your memories into a fucking database. I mean, the, you know, my mind's going to be in the cloud. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we're going to have to start thinking about. And our kids are definitely going to have to deal with these challenges. Yeah. That's cra- and she yep. was like, I didn't know that this existed. Like, because she had yeah. never even been in VR before. And she's like, this is, I mean, you know, she's what, 43, 44? Imagine being 44 trying to process this, man, when you're not in that world.
2: Uh, yep. But that's where uh. we
1: are now going into the 2020s. It's a magical time. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right, so we're gearing up for the last segment of the decade, our chat with the Department of Descriptive Service as they talk about yeah. the end of this decade of decade's dystopian destruction. Before we get BB in here, though, Odell, the other day, you know, I worked for William Sanderson. He was um, J.O. Sebastian and Blade Runner. And this past right. November, last month, was when Blade Runner, November of 2019, was set. And we have and passed... Now- that future, Back to the Future's Future. Remember that movie with Tom Selleck and, um, what's the guy from Kish? Gene Simmons? Runaway? Gene Simmons, that, yeah. Yeah, Runaway, okay. yeah. Wait,
0: guys.
3: guys.
1: Hello? Yeah?
3: I don't hear Hello? you. I hear you. you hear I don't... Guys, Hello? I, Hello? I can't hear you. Can you hear me?
2: I don't... Check. Guys, Hello? I don't know Hello? what's
3: going on with this. Hello? I what's going on with this. Something's wrong with the studio.
8: The Department of Descriptive Service is a city service. We are here to help all walks of life and all walks of non-life to better understand the benefits and the goings-on of city facilities, structures of business, and public places. We are here to inform you. Tonight we are having a hearing with such topics as the hospital, a professional building, public pools, post offices, as well as the Department of Motor Vehicles. People of tonight's hearing, please stand. Face your heart towards the flag of the Department of Descriptive Services. Place your filthy hand over your heart, and pledge allegiance. Let us all begin i pledge allegiance to the flag of the department of descriptive services to the republic of which it stands one nation under satan indivisible with liberty and justice for the members of the department of descriptive services let us begin the hearing at this time
11: hi everyone i'm so happy that i could interrupt your regularly scheduled program with an important um, intrusion, uh, if you will, Um, and I'm hoping that you all definitely placed your filthy hand over your filthy black heart to pledge the allegiance to the Department of Descriptive Services. And the reason is because we have so much information and um, descriptives to convey to you. So I, well, what, well.
1: what is going on here?
11: I can't oh. believe
1: the studio has been hijacked by the bureaucracy. Yeah, what is this? What
5: is this? Oh,
11: it's quite simple. You see, we have our hands in many different pots. And um, what we can do is really anything we decide. Because, you know, we are um, a higher form of uh, power. And our descriptives must be heard and listened to.
1: Do we even deserve this dissemination of dystopian information? I don't even know if our plebeian minds can comprehend what you have in store for us in the 2020s. I
2: have well, no
11: clue. Well, probably not. And that is why we are here today to help everyone out there develop their brain power so they can reach the the, uh, the high limit to where we are. And so we can enlighten everyone out there about the goings on because- there are so many goings-on in this um, world, and in many other worlds, there's just so many. are goings <laughs> in this world. The German is a, um, a creature of much information, if I um, may digress for a moment. I'm not sure, last time uh, we talked, the German of the Department of Descriptive Services was not present for that interview. But I just wanted to give you a little background about him. You see. Uh, he is actually not of human form. He is the uh, highest form of intelligence. So his um, physical um, body is that of a beam of light. He is not uh, human form. So we shove him in the Department of Descriptive Services. We just push and shove all that light into the, um, our um, uniforms, our city employee uniforms, so that he can be contained and appear to be in human form because the uh, intelligence and the information that beams out of this creature, that is the German is, uh, is overwhelming. And I think that most people, if they were to see him in the light of day, they would go blinded. They would be blinded.
1: Or at least their face would melt like an Whoa, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Or they fall into a puddle of their
11: own um, filth. (laughs) I've been
1: there, done that. Odell, have we hit the singularity? Did Hannah's song make us hit the singularity? Are we here now?
2: I think we're here. I truly believe
1: that. So what's going on with the bureaucracy? Tell me what's going on with the Department of Descriptive Services heading into this brave new world, Orwellian, dystopian, oligarchy world of 2020.
2: 2020.
11: Well, there's... Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I really would like to tell you because there is a lot going on. You see, due to our um, intense descriptives and descriptions, um, I know that we do a, a musical version of these descriptives just to entice the listeners so that they are more at home with it in song form. And I feel that that's a very easy way to comprehend the messages and the information and all the describings that we are offering to everyone. But what I would like to happen in 2020, since we're moving into an entirely new era, is that mm. we, you know, forget digital music and forget live performance. We are going to, our next move is to go directly to tele- telepathic communications with our um, followers and listeners. And those that are seeking the information, I mean, we need to prog- progress with um, just the direct approach of telepathy <laughs> in order for us to really, um, it's almost like it's either that or um, if people were willing, we would be willing to give people a, um, a shot into directly into the, the uh, pituitary gland, to the third eye, for them to receive oh, wow. that information.
1: Well, just to kiss a little ass to my coming bureaucratic overlords, I would like you to know that I've taken several YouTube tutorials on how to listen in triplicate. So I thought you'd be very proud of me. (laughs) Oh, yes.
11: I, we are very impressed, aren't we, German? Very impressed. Brown noser. <laughs> and let me tell you, it, doesn't, it takes a lot to impress the German because, like I said, um, just it's he's a ball of light of of uh, information. So there's no real compassion there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How does the German see us, pathetic plebeians, known as the human race?
11: Why don't you tell them, German? What do you think of the human race?
1: I think you guys are amazing. Would you care to be our administrative translator there, BB?
11: Oh yes. Um, the Germanist say, said that um, he thinks that the human race is amazing, and uh, he's impressed. You know, we I work with him every day so that um, he can share the information because it's. I mean, I don't want him to spontaneously combust. This light is very hot. So,
1: oh, I can imagine.
11: You know? Oh, I can
2: imagine that. Yes.
1: So let me ask you a yeah. question, kind of being the foreseer of things to come. Will the 2020s be more of a government bureaucracy, a corporate oligarchy, or a socialist utopia?
11: Oh, um, here, I'm going to let the German handle this one. One moment.
2: Yes, enlighten us. I think with the presidential election in 2020, the new people so it all- Bernie Sanders is the most obvious choice for president of the United States. The differences between so what, Bernie Sanders and the other so-called progressive candidates mm. cannot be overstated. Beginning in the 2016 election, Bernie Sanders began polling at 2%. Only eight months later, he won 22. states And nearly unseated the political oh. So it all depends on the presidential election is what I'm hearing.
7: Yes.
11: Yes, it does. It does. So that is that is very important, which is why I would like us to really get those needles out. And if we could um, you know approach everyone, everyone in the world, and give them that shot in the brain of information, or if they are um, capable, uh, receiving our telepathic messages, which is full of that same information, um, then we really could get somewhere.
1: <laughs> Sounds like you guys are really working overtime to bring us mandatory bureaucratic fulfillment.
11: That's right. That's right. You know, I spend a lot of time in traffic, so I have a lot to think about and a lot to. Um, I, I spend a lot of time in traffic writing. You see it. I I take my pen out and I put it on the paper and I drag the pen across the paper with squiggly lines, writing out the words very carefully with all the proper curves on each letter to describe perfectly and spelled adequately the information that I feel is so important for the Department of Descriptive Services to share with the public people.
1: That is a beautiful thing. And I know we're going into this Amazon age where drones will be delivering mm-hmm. our packages right over top of our head as soon as we um, order them. How do you feel about the Amazon age and being a consumer? I mean, we've got the plazas. we got the malls. Tell us all about that experience and what we can expect in the 2020s. You got it. It's
10: worth pointing out that Amazon's business model is not a new idea. Many of you may remember being a child and looking through a J.C. pennies or Sears catalog which contained
11: everything that you could possibly imagine delivered to your door within weeks. It's only a matter of time before Amazon goes the same way as the J.C. Penney catalog or the Sears catalog. Yes, you see, did you understand mm. what Mister man stated?
1: I don't know if so I am in tune enough to understand. You're probably yes.
11: not. I got it.
2: Yeah, I think you got it, yes.
11: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. I mean, hey, if you want to buy a present for somebody and you don't know what to get them and you decide at the last second that you want to buy it and you have to go online and you have to buy it from Amazon and it's late and then you didn't buy it from a local, um, a local shop that is independently owned, then shame on you.
1: You have done the wrong mm. thing. Mm-hmm. So we kind of so deserve right. a flogging from the administration,
7: from the bureaucracy.
11: That's right. It's the wrong way to be. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. And so, therefore, um, it's best to go with the right way, which is, again, the same thing um, principle that I really need to convey to the public people by using telepathy. I mean, it's a much quicker system. It's records, albums, I mean, talking, social media. It's just, it's not direct. It's not a direct approach enough, not even talking to somebody. You know, they don't listen. It's important that we get this information out as fast as possible.
1: And, but what we live in an age where the bureaucracy is not known for being fast. How are you going to change that going into this new reality?
11: Well, then that would give me plenty of time while I'm waiting in line at the DMV to get my, um, to you know, to get my registration for my car or um, the pink slips of the car that I'm trying to sell overpriced to this new person who's going to buy the car from me that is way high in mileage and is it working very well and i need to sell it quickly because i need the money while i'm waiting at the dmv is when i'm going to be um offering this telepath telepathic communications because that is when we can use our time the wisest
2: and the dmv it does take a long time so you'll have plenty of time to utilize that
1: yes it just sounds like mass conditioning to me if I could be scared. Or Safeway.
2: Safeway would be another good place, too, because most of the registers, they only have, like, two people per register.
3: Walmart. And,
2: and Yeah, and, and they try to force you to use the uh, computer-operated lines now. Um, so That's you have right. all the time in the world there, too. So that might be a good place to utilize that as it's well.
11: A, it's great, and it's an excellent place to write out a pamphlet, to make, you know, your personal pamphlet. And um, or any kind of pamphlet that you might want to stuff in the mail or mass produce, so you can, you know, really use up that paper out there and send some pamphlets out to people. That's the perfect time for people to be using their time wisely is in those lines while you're waiting to buy your groceries is get to work on your pamphlet or your catalog or, you know, writing some um You know, signing some documents, that's a great place to do it. Really important documents, you can do that while you're in line.
1: I'm glad you brought that up, too, because a lot of people don't realize this. This country was basically founded, the catalyst to this country was a little 47-page pamphlet called Common Sense by Thomas Paine. And I am so glad that you are continuing the patriotic duty and bureaucratic patriotism of the pamphlet on paper to the people.
11: That's right. I completely I agree with you and me, and I completely agree with myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a country founded on pamphlets, and you work mm-hmm. for bureaucracy that is still mass-producing pamphlets for the will of the people.
11: It's important. It's all so important.
10: Isn't
1: it? It's important, and it's not important at the same time. We live in a world of paradoxes. Up, oh, I'm getting a message in. In in accordance, no. in accordance with um digital ordinance two nine seven three five point two nine four, we must pause for a collective beneficial disclaimer from the Department of Descriptive Services.
8: Please stay tuned. Good. The Department of Descriptive Services makes no claims, promises, or guarantees about the accuracy, completeness, and adequacy of the contents that is therefore offered, and expressly disclaims liability for errors and omissions in the contents of this hearing. No warranty of any kind implied, expressed, or statutory, including but not limited to the warranties of non-infringement of third-party rights, title, ability, fitness for a particular purpose, or freedom from this offering is given. With respect to the contents of this performance, reference to this information, commercial product, process, or services, or any use of this information, firm, or corporation name, is for the information and convenience of the public and does not constitute endorsement, recommendation, or favoring by the Department of Descriptive Services
1: all right we are back from that mandatory session by our digital overlords uh Jermaine, would you like to talk a little bit uh, about the disclaimer and about politicians in our current system yes I would. Oh, we have that very
5: important
1: general works at Walmart, that is not a recipe for a successful populace, so I think that the next election will be very important as regards to how the United States of America moves forward. Alrighty, and BB.
11: also, to add, in, to add in that these, um, you know, government officials make all these fancy laws that um, they don't follow themselves, so basically they write all these laws and then they have the vibe that the laws that are put in place for the public do not apply to them and so we have a describing about that and how the law doesn't apply to these politicians it's called that law and it's also in regards to how the law does not apply to me because of the laws of gravity you see before we go into this musical describing um, in our live um, uh, informational uh, performances we request a urine sample from the audience members due to the fact that um, number one, it does not need. Way ahead
1: of you already got my mandatory state issue cup half full.
11: Great. I'm so glad to hear that. There you go. But it's, it's important to point out that the urine sample does not need to be clean, but it does need to be human because due to the fact that the laws of gravity don't apply to us at the department of descriptive services, we have got to um prove to the um those who are in question of whether or not we're human um that we are and so therefore we just request a urine sample from a human
1: does it matter that i just accidentally dropped some cheetos in my specimen jar
11: no not at all no
1: Oh, Odell, are you laughing at my pain? I was trying to aim very significantly to appease my bureaucratic overlords, and while I had some cheetos in my mouth, they fell out into the jar.
2: Um. <laughs> I think it
11: helped. It really is very human of you to do such a thing.
1: BB yeah. Odell is shaming me because of my lack of jar prowess, and I'm not, I'm not
2: really shaming you. Myself. It's no, not shaming you. you. Cheetos are a good you thing. Be,
11: you should be very proud of that, actually. There's no shame.
2: Drop your Yes, drop your Cheetos anywhere you want to, man.
1: <laughs> D, am I sleeping yeah. on the couch
2: tonight?
3: <laughs> <sighs> Just no more Cheetos in the bed. Have I soiled the
1: family name?
3: No. Nah, oh,
1: you I'll soiled the, me the me. bed. <laughs> There's a low bar to start with. All right, let's play some that long, and we'll be right back with some story time with B. <laughs>
5: a little bit of 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 a little bit of
1: diligently put on my orthopedic gloves and dug all the Cheeto dust out of my urine sample and it is labeled closed sealed and ready to mail so i I, I think I'm on top of this Bebe I think the Department of Descriptive Services would be proud of the way that I have oh. characterized my urine for mail delivery
11: well thank you very much I mean we just need as much as we can get you have no idea how much we are just um, questioned about our um, whether or not we are human or not you know and like i said it's well i've been drinking important. cheap
1: beer all night so i got you 16 ounces will that work
11: that is fantastic please do <laughs> send it to our p.o box i will make sure to get that to you right away
1: right on now while i get the results in the mail i get a gold star of how significant my urine is to the bureaucracy
11: um you will get a uh, a license to um exist uh, in the rounds of the Department of Descriptive Services, highest order.
1: Nice. Wait until my mom here. She wouldn't even give me a license to exist, Odell. Yeah. I can't wait to call her. <laughs> I'm so oh,
11: proud.
1: It <laughs> sounds like he's um, happy for me, too. Are you celebrating? Are you processing the thoughts of celebration and joy in your robotic brain? Oh, course. Alrighty, let's wind down a little. I know everybody was on edge after that last segment of bureaucratic madness for story time with BB, a very special house. Alright, how do you want me to introduce Hawthorne?
12: A very special house, written by Ruth Krause and memorized and told to you by thy BB McPherson, yours truly. <laughs> D-D-D-O. D-D-D-O. I know a house. It's not a squirrel house. It's not a donkey house. It's not a house you'd see. And it's not in any street. And it's not in any road. Oh, it's just Just a house house for me. Me Me and me. There's a bed that's very special. And a shelf that's very special. And the chairs are very special, but it's not to take a seat. And the doors are very special. And the walls are very special. And a table, very special, where to put your feet, feet, feet. Special, 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 special.
5: Ooh.
12: I'm bringing home a turtle, and a rabbit, and a giant, and a little dead mouse. I take it everywheres and some monkeys and some skunkies and a very old lion, which is eating all the stuffing from the chairs, chairs, chairs. Mm. 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 Mouse. Mouse. House. They and I are making secrets and we're falling over laughing and we're running in and out and we hooey, hooey, hooey. Then we think we are some chickens and we're singing in the opera. Then we're going, 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 going. ooe ee 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 Cluck, 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 cluck. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Something's in the soup. Dewee-hee-haw. dewee hee ha Something's in the soup. Whoop, 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 whoop. So, oh, ooey, 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 we're sprinkling cracker crumbs under all the cushions and the lions keeping snoring, going snoring, snore, 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 and the monkeys are all dancing with that special monkey feeling like they're leaving little footprints on the ceiling ceiling, 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 and I'm hopping, and I'm skipping, and I'm jumping, and I'm bumping, busting, and everywhere is music, and the giant spilled his drinking, and it went all down the floor, and the rabbit ate a piece out of my very best door. And everybody's yelling for more, more, more. And, and, that's and that's not all. And that's not all. They're playing
5: cozy wozy on the wall, wall, More, more.
12: house, just like I said. And it's not up on a mountain, and it's not down in a valley, and it's not down in a hole, and it's not down in our alley, and it's not up in a tree or underneath the bed. Oh, it's right in the middle. Oh, it's right in the middle. Oh, it's root right in the middle of my head, head, head. Dee-dee-dee-oh. Doe. Doe. Doe.
1: All righty, we're all nice and calm and mellow from story time. That was a beautiful story. I feel centered again mm-hmm. and not on edge yet. From the bureauc, hold on. <sighs> As a bureaucratic hostage at the Department of Descriptive Services, I just got a special message beamed into my fricking frontal cortex that i must dial in a special guest can you guys please tell me what special guest i'm mandated to dial in now
11: uh yes um i'm going to bring on our special guest hawthorne um he uh helps the department of descriptive services with some of our odd jobs and dirty work he's a um, a great help um sometimes we have to hire um you know a henchman here and there and hawthorne has never um disappointed us in his um Uh, his work. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Hawthorne. And uh, here you go, Hawthorne, why don't you go ahead and say hello to um, uh, Nick and Dee and Odell, okay?
13: Uh, Hey, uh, how's it going? This is Hawthorne, and uh, I'm really glad to be here. I got to do a lot of the dirty work for the Department of Descriptive Services. It's not an easy job because I got to get my hands dirty a lot, and, and it gets real ugly, but one of the things that I I really like to do is uh, kick rocks.
5: <laughs> sometimes I
13: pick up rocks and I kick.
1: They had rocks. it coming.
13: But, yeah, mm-hmm. I like yeah. I, I just sometimes throw rocks and boulders and, and But there's one special lady I'd really like to talk to, and that's uh,
5: Karen Centerfold
13: because she. Uh, she kind of tries to hang out with the Department of Descriptive Services a lot, and, um... Well, we try not to let her. Yeah, we try to, like, you know, kind of bump her. Well, Bibi tries to bump her out of the way because Kieran sometimes gets a little rough. But I really like her. I mean, she's a hot piece of ass, so... If you can please uh, get, let's give her a call because I just want to tell her that uh, I
3: just I have an offer. I want to take her out on a date. Actually, so. okay. Let's Maybe see if we can make this her. love connection let's happen. See
1: we can do this. We will do as we are mandated to-, to do by the bureaucracy, of course.
13: All right.
1: So, yeah, I work
13: really hard, and uh, you know, working for a bureaucratic uh, um, organization, they uh, they take a long time to pay to pay me. So. I really, like, this is a big deal for me.
1: Well, you know, humans are getting replaced. I just read an article today about robotic janitors okay. are going well, into full effect next year, so.
6: Oh, uh, Hawthorne, there, you I'd... poor baby.
13: If I was there, I'd kick somebody's ass. You know? Oh, hey, is this Karen?
6: Karen Centerfog. That's right.
13: Karen. Hey, Karen, this is Hawthorne, I uh. I just got ten bucks from my mom, and I was wondering if I could take you out for a pancake breakfast the next that
6: day. Sounds, that sounds—that sounds good, but I just don't know what I'm doing on New Year's. You know, I mean, I did get asked to go completely nude at the Body Shop Strip Club on the Sunset Strip in L.A. And I'm not sure if that's what I'm going to do because there's other rock and roll parties. Can I play Chuck
1: Willary well, here for a second? Can Hawthorne bring you pancakes to the strip club and perhaps make a connection no. that way?
7: It's the kind of thing
1: where she's going to have to meet me uh, like downtown.
13: I, I give her some bus fare.
2: And then I can bring her
13: back to my
6: mom's house. And, uh, that sounds, like, like, a deal, and
2: uh, that sounds like a sweet deal, Karen. That sounds like a sweet
1: deal. How can you can turn, turn this down like a party?
6: Here? Well, Roblox I gotta, to I gotta flip Roblox. a quarter on it, you know. Heads, I go downtown to see Hawthorne, and tails, I show the guys my tail at the body shop.
13: And then we can go back to my mom's house and play some Roblox and play some Mad City and Roll. Yeah, and but Bay.
6: you just, you just better have yeah, some the damn so good. Money. Uh, Listen, Hawthorne, you just better have some damn good pot for me if I go all the way up to your mom's house. Let me tell you.
1: This kid's about to be replaced by a robot. Cut him a little bit of slack.
13: What did you just say? I don't like that. If I was there, I'd kick kick your ass.
1: My ass deserves to be kicked, for sure. But I've got robot (laughs) guards.
13: What, Mom? What? Mom, I'm, you know what, guys? My mom is calling me. I gotta
6: go.
2: Yeah,
1: you better check did, did we make a love connection? I'm so confused. I think pancake. so.
6: I think so.
1: Hawthorne, I, I think break. someone's coming to your house for a pancake breakfast. like Prince. My mom's calling me. I gotta go. Move my
13: bike. I'll be back, or I'll, uh, I'll just talk to you guys later. Later.
1: All righty. Uh, All
6: right. I don't know who's left.
11: Oh, hi guys. It's Phoebe again. Um. How's Hi. it going? Uh, Karen, are you there?
6: Yes, I'm right here.
11: Oh, you sound different. What's going on? Do you want to talk about oh, how we did that song on the, um, the Gary Wilson and R.C.V. Moore collaboration album about how what happened was Karen came to a wonderful party at our house, which was full of um, very important describe links that the Department of Descriptive Services had available and offered to the public. Well, unfortunately, during this party, the police showed up. And as I went to approach the cops to tell them it's okay, we are city employees, we got this under control, Karen had already approached the police officers. And as I walked up, she was mid sentence telling them, Do you know who I am? Go ahead and tell them how you said it, Karen. And you know what, Karen, when you, um, after you had gone through that giant speech I approached and Karen had said to the police officers at the end of that long speech she had said and do you know who I am and it was funny because the cops said no they didn't know who she was which I was surprised I mean how could they i think how could they not know you know it's, it's, I mean
6: this is how they meet. Have, it may have slipped their memory because what they do mm. for the Los Angeles Police Department is they hire guys that live in La Puente and they hire guys that live in close to Palm Springs and, and Tom, or Palmdale that are just really far out and uh, they're stupid, narrow-minded, very middle class, and um, they're also easy targets uh, when they work, and they're willing to get paid to work for the police department, but then again, um, Vermanklin lasted uh, pretty well for for the kind of Hollywood club it was, a really good music club, you know, it got Well, thank you,
11: Karen, and we were glad you were there, and... um and thank you, thank you for calling. Anything else you'd like to add? Or I mean,
6: I really like showing my I really like showing my chits and ass off at Franklin and doing uh, the psychedelic song White Rabbit. Yes. Very, very.
2: Uh, okay. All right.
11: So I'm well, well, over here looking. And um, thank you for um, being there and available. And um, I will give you, or Hawthorne will be giving you a call a little later.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely tell us how things went with Hawthorne, Karen. We want to hear all oh, about well, you know, Hawthorne,
6: Hawthorne is a valley boy, and he gets very uptight if you don't give him attention. And there's only so much attention that he deserves to get, you know. But um, he's mature enough, I have to tell you. He's mature enough, and not everybody is. He really likes
11: you, Karen. I hope you give him a chance.
1: And make sure you get that physical contact license. You don't want to do anything unregulated.
6: (laughs) Oh, like unregulated like what?
1: Oh, you know, Karen. Trust me, you know. Get that license.
6: Are you talking about my butt? (laughs) Uh, Among other things, Uh, Karen.
1: The uh, studio can handle, yes, pancakes. Before Hawthorne (laughs) can start making his beautiful pancakes. You guys I are going to have to get licensed up.
6: So pancakes, pancakes, right in between my forty-four double G cups, twenty-four, thirty-seven. How? <laughs> okay. All right.
11: All right. Well, Woo. thank you very much, Karen. It was lovely
6: chatting with you.
1: And don't forget okay, to bring your state-mandated whipped cream.
6: I won't. Okay. Ninety nine.
2: night. Bye. Night
1: I think Karen has overloaded our system. Things are smoking everywhere on the switchboard, so we've got to get out of here. That the it just, system just can't take any more of the bureaucratic uh, brilliance. BB, please tell everybody we where are mandated to go and check out all things descriptive services.
11: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate. Well, the, I had no uh, choice. Interview. <laughs> yes, that's very true. And um, and we will be sending you out your license, and um, we look forward to 2020 and speaking with you once again and give, offering much more information.
1: And where can we find the Department right. of Descriptive Services online for our mandatory infomercials <laughs> about how to live every aspect of life on Earth in the 2020s?
11: Yes, that would be at www.thedepartmentofdescriptiveservices.com.
1: Fair enough. All righty, BB. Thank you. Thank you, you. you BB. In your bureaucratic your brilliance.
11: Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Thank
1: you. You thank too. All righty. We are done. That is it. The decade is up. Oh, Odell. Wow. Yes. I don't know if I'm still stuck in the matrix or if it's actually the end of the decade.
2: <laughs> I don't know either, man, but that's the way to end it. That's the way to end it right there. All righty. <laughs> D. Pancakes. the
1: last thing you want to say for the decade? Yeah, don't don't bring up any pancakes, Dee. The last thing I want to
3: say for the decade is if there's any one thing that you're going to do in your life, try to do it because you care.
1: Yeah. All righty, guys. We're going to play a little bit of that duet with um, BB and Karen Centerfold. And we wish you a happy New Year's. We'll be back happy in New this Year's, everybody. Far-flung, futuristic world of 2020. 2020.